Here is Cynthia uh, Turnage. Cynthia, welcome to the program. Hi, good to I, be here. I, I got, I guess, a, you know, a fax uh, or email from one of your fans, and they listed your books, and I was absolutely fascinated. Really neat titles, bound to be neat material. Tell us a little bit about yourself first. Well, I'm a freelance writer and speaker. I have a little bit of a background in history and ancient languages. I've studied over 300 translations of ancient Mesopotamian and Vedic scriptures, Hebrew and Greek scriptures, the Egyptian writings, and extra-biblical books such as Enoch the Prophet. Uh, I'm a member of the Ancient Astronaut Society in MUFON. I've done a lot of radio and a few television appearances. I've been on Strange Universe. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> oh, I, I certainly know the people over at Strange Universe. Uh, very good people. That show now has uh, been canceled. I know, right after they did mine. Ah, <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> yeah. But uh, most of the principals, you know, the people who are working there, are off to good and, and better things now. You know Arthur Machero then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that <laughs> recruited me for the show. Um, yes, indeed. All right. Um, listen, sexual encounters with extraterrestrials. Now, I had a woman on my show named Pamela. And this should uh, make everything that you will say um, uh, not nearly so shocking. Pamela, uh, I don't know if you did you hear the program? Uh, no, but I do know who you're talking about. Did she have a, an affair with a reptilian? She certainly did. Okay, I know another woman that had one. <laughs> a serious long-term affair. Yes, she did too. And as a matter of fact, she drew a, a picture of this uh, a scaly guy. And we have it up on the website, which what? is is very interesting. What do you look like? Um, about a cross between a human guy, but I would say more lizard than guy. Yeah, I mean scales. But he he kind of looked like a man. Did he have hair on his head? You know. N well, oh, let's see. Hair on his head? No, I don't think so. He certainly had uh, green scales, so uh, well, he was pretty lizard-like. The guy that, uh, well, the alien that, uh, there was this lady that, a truck stop waitress here in Texas. Uh -huh. And she also had a long-term affair with the reptilian that lasted about 18 months. My husband actually interviewed her. And uh, she said that he was looked like a human man, except for his skin was green and kind of scaly. But he had hair on his head. Uh, it kind of struck me like he was like a hybrid between, you know, the two. Well, you wrote, I mean, you wrote a whole book on the topic, so what did you conclude from the study you must have had to have done uh, to write on this topic in the first place? Well, I concluded that this doesn't always happen in every abduction scenario, but it, but it does happen occasionally. Uh, I think that there's some of it's going on for hybrid, hybridization, but... Actually, I think it's more like boredom on the part of the extraterrestrials. You know, let's say that uh, they're coming here. They they're not bringing their females with them. They're they're here for a long period of time. They're getting uh, bored. They're like they're, guys overseas. They're like know? our guys. Well, I was there. So right. I, yeah. I, I remember. Mm -hmm. But I never had to resort to lizards. Cynthia. <laughs> Well, they're not resorting to lizards. They're resorting to humans. Well, I know. <laughs> but in the, step up, you know. Yeah, but in the case of Pamela, when you interview Pamela uh, and you really drag the truth from her, she preferred lizards. Well, this this uh, girl, this truck stop waitress, she also preferred this guy. And yeah, see? when he got killed, she just went totally crazy. Uh, she loved him. He was killed? 
Yeah, he, his ship crashed, and then he didn't show up where he was supposed to meet her for like three weeks. And uh, then eventually uh, three of his buddies showed up, and they told her what had happened, and, and she just kind of went crazy. Um, how <laughs> – I don't even know how to ask about this. But how, um, how did she uh, come to encounter a lizard or the other way around uh, – uh, an E.T. encounter her, I guess. It, abductions? Well, what happened was she she kind of lived out in the country in a kind of secluded area, and she said that she kept seeing this light outside her bedroom window at night, and it looked like it was going out in the woods. Mm-hmm. She got curious. She goes out there, and this uh, reptilian comes out of this ship. There's a landed craft in the woods. Uh, they get to know each other. I don't know how, but <laughs> they do get to know each other. And then uh, she starts going onto the ship. Uh, a, a romance starts. Uh, the reason my husband interviewed her was because she was, he wanted to know how the ship operated and how it worked. And she explained to him uh, the, the mechanics of the thing. It works with tetrahedral. Um, it's like going to a higher dimension. And tetrahedral. Said, Richard, are you listening? Yeah, he, he needs to be listening. He needs to talk to my husband. My husband is a physicist, and he, he wire-wrapped this tetrahedron. It's, it's a nested tetrahedron. It's kind of hard for me to explain it because I'm not that good in physics. But he wire-wrapped? My husband did, yeah. He, he talked to that woman. He took copious notes. Uh, she explained that oh. when he got to this certain, when the, the thing uh, got to this certain energy level, that the ship would actually go hyperdimensional. And that's how they traveled. Oh. He wasn't, my husband wasn't interested in her sexual affair with the reptilian. He wanted to know how the ship worked. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that, but I suppose he had to listen uh, to uh, to what was said uh, and had to understand how the relationship uh, occurred. but, But that is your area of interest. Right. And I wound up with her notes, so I gleaned what I could out of the notes and... Uh, you know, we put the story down and put it together as best we could. Uh, how many cases of ET human sexual um, interaction have you documented? Well, I have about like 35 in the book, but oh since God. this book has been available, you wouldn't believe how many people have written to me and told me, oh, I've had an encounter. I want to talk to you. I got one like two days ago. This woman wants me to call her and and she wants to tell me all about it. And well, I'm that's about see, it. now that's what got me about Pamela. I thought this is the weirdest of them all, and there's never and the audience reaction is going to be horrible. But both times I had Pamela on, <laughs> I'm telling you, the phones were full of people saying I too have had this kind of sexual encounter, men and women. I'm thinking about expanding my book because I keep getting more cases. And, it, yeah, you're right, men and women. As a matter of fact, there's a guy over here in Fort Worth. Uh, he had a uh, an affair. Well, not an affair, just a one-night stand, I guess you'd say, with a tall Nordic female. Oh, a tall Nordic. Yeah. He, now, that doesn't sound so bad. This lizard thing bothers me, but the tall Nordics, that they might be all right. Well, this, he said that she was extraordinarily beautiful. What happened to him? Now, this guy, he's real honest. He's a hard-working little guy. He, he didn't make this up. I met him at a MUFON meeting. Now, wait a minute. How do you know he didn't make it up? Because uh, when he was describing the inside of the spacecraft, uh, my husband was sitting there taking copious notes again. <laughs> of course. And there were things said about the craft that 
Alvin could not have made up. He wouldn't have known. He, he doesn't have a degree in physics. Right. Doesn't know how spacecrafts operate, that type thing. That's why I believed him, and, and he's so sincere and honest about it. I mean. All right. With regard uh, to the information that your husband gathers, uh-huh. um, you're apparently a team effort, I guess, huh? Oh, yes, definitely. All right. Well, when he talks to these various abductees, does he find, this is really a serious question, does he find a common thread in the descriptions of technical devices or yes. not? Yes. It's a, uh, yes. Usually it has to do with the nested tetrahedrons and the hyperdimensional physics, which explains how the ships can be in one place one minute and then just disappear and, and be gone. Actually, it does explain that. They've gone to the higher dimension. Richard is jumping up and down about now. <laughs> well, he needs to call my husband. <laughs> uh, your husband is a physicist. Uh, what kind of work does he do? Oh, you're going to love this. This ties in with my work. <laughs> he is working with water. He's developed a version of the water of life that's talked about in the Bible. And I had written about that in my book, uh, The Holy Bible is an Extraterrestrial Transmission. I, before I met my husband, I was theorizing that if they took the heavy water molecules, deuterium, out of water, Yes. Uh, that might prolong human life. Well, little did I know, 40 miles away in a lab, my husband was doing that. <laughs> wow. My husband has actually written a paper. Uh, he's created the type of water that is like the water at the moment of creation. It has no information in it. Uh, it has no sound frequency in it. How, um, how do you create the water like that? I mean, in other words, how do you know what water was at the moment of creation or even anywhere near it compared because to now. It's called monatomic hydrogen, and it has no information whatsoever, and it has no uh, uh, particles of any type in it. It has no sound frequencies. It has no information of any type in it, and that type of water is so pure you can't even swallow it because your brain registers that as pure water, and it's absorbed in your tongue by your tongue. Wow. You probably need to have my husband on this show sometime and let him tell you about his amazing, fascinating work that he's doing to clean up this planet. He's going to clean up uh, all the wastewater, uh, the sewage treatment. He oxygenates the water, and that breaks down the bacteria in it. And oxygenating this water of life stuff that he's making uh, also uh, is good for the human body. We've been drinking it now for a couple of years. Well, you're quite a team. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, remaining with that first book for a moment... Um, a lot of people are very concerned about this. I mean, uh, about the sex with aliens. Of, of course. Um, for example, is there are there indications that these sexual unions have produced offspring? Oh yes. <laughs> uh, Bud Hopkins uh, wrote a book, and, and there's a woman in it. I think Kathy Davis was the name they used, and she saw her little hybrid children. And not only her, but there's been numerous other cases where they claim that they've seen a like a baby that's looks like a little cross between a little gray and a human, and it's got the wispy blonde hair and the big eyes. And uh, Some of the, the aliens that we're seeing now that people are um, telling about appear to, to be crosses between uh, humans and some type of extraterrestrial. I used to know this, or I know this girl named Christine Morsiglio that uh, used to work for Bud Hopkins, and she would go through his mail mm -hmm. for him, and he's only interested in cases that concern the little grays. Right. She would sort his mail out, and she noticed that she began to get stacks of, like, the tall Nordic-looking aliens, the type I write about. Mm -hmm. Then there'd be the uh, insect-like, 
then there would be the reptilians. So now, if there's anything worse than reptilians, it would be the insects. Yeah, that's I agree. <laughs> oh, you do? Yeah, so she was keeping up with all this stuff, and uh, she began to notice that people were also reporting crosses between those various races. Now, I see, it's rather difficult for me to imagine a cross between a human and an insect. Well, if you if you look at old uh, at the ancient Mesopotamian text when the gods were playing around trying to create man, right? Uh, they used various types of animals that they mixed them with. You know, the uh, they mixed us with like a fish, and that's where that um, concept of the mermaid came up with a person's body, you know, being fish at the bottom and human at the top. Uh, the Minotaur of the the uh, I think the Greeks had the uh, bull's body or, or maybe it was a human body and a bull's head. Uh, and, of course, you know, there was there was a lot of different other types of chimera-type creatures like that created. They would just use, uh, like, the lion's body and put the human head on it. Okay, well, this is not an impertinent question, but uh, I've got to ask. Of the number of cases, because I've only talked to Pamela, mm -hmm. of the number of cases that you have studied, uh, how many of the human partners found it satisfactory or okay or didn't complain a lot? Well, most of the people liked it. Alvin definitely liked it with the tall Nordic female. Uh, and, and this other, the truck stop waitress liked it. And the most famous case that I, I really liked the most is Antonio, Antonio Villas-Boas. It occurred in 1957 in Brazil. What happened? And, well, he was abducted. First, he began to see these UFOs around his house. And he was just a, a Brazilian farmer, and he'd be out working on his tractor and everything, and then he'd see these UFOs. Uh, eventually, he got abducted and uh, taken aboard a spacecraft, and these beings that had abducted him, they appeared to be um, man-like, but they were wearing space suits, and all he could see was their eyes. There were about five of them. They were about five feet tall. Uh, they... Uh, took him on board the ship. They gave him a medical examination. They stripped his clothes off. They sponged him down with like a purple liquid. They uh, took him to a little round circular room and they um, threw him naked inside the room. The door shut and then this, this gas came in there and it made Antonio real sick and he threw up. And then after he threw up, he felt better. Well, a few minutes later, um, this beautiful alien woman comes striding in the door and she's about four and a half feet tall. Uh, she had real pure white skin, pure white hair, and he said she had blood red pubic hair. Uh, her eyes were wow. real exotic and they kind of slanted upward. And she, after she came in, she began to make sexual advances to Antonio. But he had just thrown chunks. I mean, how Well, I guess she was, he said she was the most beautiful little woman he had ever seen. And he said she had a real exotic smell and he got, you know, aroused. So. He did go ahead and, and have sex with her several times, but he did complain that she couldn't talk when she when she made any sounds at all. They sounded like an animal, uh, almost like the barking of a dog. Or... Well, there's a lot of human males who would consider that an asset. He didn't like it, though. And, he didn't like it? But anyway, you know, once they had finished having sex, then she pointed at him, and she pointed at her belly, then she pointed at the sky, uh, then... She left, and then a few. Well, even I know what that means. Yeah, we figure. Yeah, we figure that out easily. You well, made, you made little one. Right. I go home. Right. Then <laughs> the other guys they came and they they drug him out and um, uh, they gave him his clothes back and they took him off the spaceship and left him and uh, Antonio was never going to say anything about this to anyone because he didn't think anybody would believe it. But what happened was 
he got radiation burns somehow, I guess, when he was going on board the ship or whatever. But he got so ill that he had to seek medical attention. And this uh, Dr. Fontes in uh, Brazil studied the case. He couldn't figure out how Antonio had gotten these radiation burns. But it came to the attention of ufologists here in America, and they flew it did, over it there. Didn't seem to be, it didn't seem to be uh, related to the sexual contact, did it? Uh, no, it wasn't related to the sexual contact, but something about that spacecraft, uh, probably when they were bringing him aboard, he didn't have a protective suit on or anything. Uh, he got the radiation at that time. Rather and, inconsiderate of them. Yeah, that's how that case came to light. But the thing that I thought was real interesting about this, uh, the fact that... I'll tell you what, hold that. I love hooks. Okay. So uh, let's let this be a hook, and we'll bring you back after the break. You've got about six minutes. Relax. Relax. Cynthia Turnage is my guest. <laughs> we'll let this one go for a while. Cynthia? Yes? All right. We were discussing a very interesting case in Brazil. Yes. I wanted to um, explain something that I think the reason why they put the gas in the room when Antonio was in there. Yes. He reported that the male extraterrestrials never took off their helmets or spacesuits. And I think it's because they had to have some kind of special um, air. You know, there was something in that gas, and, and they put the gas in the room so that the little lady could breathe without her helmet on. Rather thoughtless, though, of them with respect to him. Well, it made him sick, but he got used to it. You know, I know it wasn't very nice of them, but apparently they didn't care. <laughs> they wanted a specimen, you know, and they got one. They got one, a specimen. Right. Now... Um, aside from the sexual angle of it, I mean, I refuse to believe that people are coming here from many light years away, if that's possible, to have sex with Earth women or men, for that matter, unless there is a very serious motivation that goes beyond the glandular uh, motivation, and that would be some sort of genetic uh, experimentation. Yes. I, is that what you think is behind it? I think that's behind uh, some of it. Uh, I, I think a lot of it, like I said before, is just um, they're bored, they're, they're, they're lonely for females. Yeah, that's right. Let's back up a little bit, I guess. You must believe that there are many, many ETs on Earth now and, ha and, and that there have been for some time. Uh, what do you know about that? Uh, I believe absolutely that there's a large number of races visiting Earth and that they always have and they always will. And so then kind of like being assigned to uh, Thule Greenland or something, uh, well, the, the natives, uh, well, they're not the natives, natives of their land get restless and uh, begin cruising. Well, one of my chapters is called Are Aliens Cruising Earth? <laughs> That's the first chapter. <laughs> and then I have one called Mars Needs Women. Mars Needs Women? Then we are alien lab rats. We are, uh, uh, boy, each one of these deserves some attention. We are alien rab lab rats. That's um, where I talk about the hybridization. Let's move back to Mars Needs Women. Okay, let's now, see about that. Here we, here we are. <laughs> Uh, we've got a satellite orbiting Mars preparing to take new photographs of what appears to be not a natural thing at Cydonia, a face and other artifacts, pyramids, and you name it. It's up there, and maybe we're going to get photographs, and maybe not. So what do you know about Mars? Oh, I know a lot about it. My book, uh, Extraterrestrials Are on the Moon, is actually called Extraterrestrials Are on the Moon and Mars. And I have found a face exactly like the face on Mars, and it's 
Right below it, it forms an isosceles triangle with another face found by Maurice Chatelaine. Uh, he's a former NASA engineer, and it's a larger, badly damaged face. And I also, uh, Maurice pointed out that uh, six, let's see, one millimeter on an eight by ten Viking photo is worth six hundred Babylonian cubits. So all six. these distances between these monuments can be precisely measured in Babylonian cubits. And if you know anything about Zechariah Sitchin's work, uh, the Mesopotamian deities who are extraterrestrials from the planet Nibiru, uh, they are the ones who use the Babylonian cubit as a measuring system. Well, now, let so, me stop you. Richard Hoagland, again, I can see his name is going to come up a lot, has done the same measurements, not in Babylonian cubits, but um, using other uh, means of measurement, and has come up with what I consider to be almost uh, indisputable evidence that there is a mathematical relationship between these artifacts up there. Oh, I agree. I, I know I've, I've studied uh, Hoagland's work you know, extensively. I agree with, with his findings entirely, but I'm just saying that they can also be measured in Babylonian, Babylonian cubits. Just because... What is a Babylonian cubit compared to uh, an inch or a foot or a it's yard? It's 18 or... inches. And it's also the measuring system that the Bible says is used in heaven, and heaven is planet Nibiru. So here we've got, you know, Sitchin talked about in his book Genesis Revisited how that uh, was probably a base uh, wait, Mars. Wait, 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 wait. You're getting too far ahead of me. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. This heaven is, really... is, is planet Nibiru. Right. Uh, how did we determine that? Well, okay, that's where my book, The Holy Bible and Extraterrestrial Transmission, comes in. Uh, Sitchin pointed that out in his, his books. Have you read any of Yes, but I mean, uh, uh, but uh, I don't know that I regard, first of all, I've never seen Nibiru. Of course, it has not come back yet. It's on its way back. I've calculated when it'll be here, 2060 A.D. Uh, that's based on the fact that it was last year during the Hebrew Exodus in 1540 B.C. And if you add 3,600 to that, you get 2060 A.D. 2060. Well, I won't be here. Well, well I, I might be. Actually, you know, I had a doctor on the other night who said, if we can all hang in there another 30 years, uh, and, and he's a scientist, full MD, that uh, we will be immortal, virtually immortal. Well, I believe that because, you know, they've been talking about uh, uh, the immortality gene in cancer and trying to use that to immortalize cells. That's I can right. tell you one even better than that, though. A guy here in Texas went over to Iraq before things got too hot to go over there. He dug up a clay tablet. The clay tablet had a little vial in it, and it said on it, uh, from the abode of a god or house of a god. He took the little vial and brought it back to the United States and tested this liquid that was in it. And he had to use a dark-filled microscope, but it had these little cross-like uh, tiny little things. I call them nanobots they were so tiny they're little machines yes and he discovered that those will if you ingest them they repair your dna on a cellular level well that is the promise cynthia of nanotechnology that's and, what it is and you're, you're saying it's here now it's called jet life you can look it up on the internet the guy here in texas my husband knows him we're going to go down and talk to him one of these days there is a slightly inherent problem in the in the concept of swallowing machines though well, they're so 
tiny they had to be used, uh, I mean, looked at with a dark field microscope. Do you know how small that is? <laughs> well, then you would almost have to mix them in uh, some of your husband's water and down them. You do, and you have to mix this other stuff that that guy, uh, it's some kind of crystal stuff. It, there's a complicated process to using the stuff. How he figured it all out, I don't know, but he did. He's selling it. Remarkable. Um is your husband awake and listening to all of this? Yes, he's in the bedroom listening. <laughs> well, at, at, at some point, maybe we'll put him on the air and have him explain this water. Oh, okay. You think he'd but, be up for doing that? He, yeah, he probably will. Uh, let me tell you about heaven, though. You wanted to know how, why I think that uh, Nibiru. Nibiru is heaven. Yes. First of all, uh, if you study Mesopotamian text, yes. uh, it's sometimes referred to as the kingdom of the heavens. And if you take the Bible and you look at its literal form, uh, when it's talking about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, right. it actually says the kingdom of the heavens, like Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, where John says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand. Yes. If you look at what the literal text says, it says, repent for the kingdom of the heavens has come near. Now, if it's come near, it was someplace uh. else before, and that sounds to me like an orbit. It does, doesn't it? It has come near. And plus, if you know Hebrew, uh, in the Bible it says God comes from Olam. The word Olam means hard firmament or ground. In other words, he comes from a, a, a planet. Well, I always thought God was sort of up there in the emptiness. Well, I think people would like to think that, but if you look at the Bible in its literal interpretation, uh, you've got the word Elohim, which is a big problem for a lot of people. That's why you've got all these new versions out that have changed the Bible. That word Elohim actually means gods. Then you've got the word Eloah, which means God. Then you've got the designation for God's name, YHWH. You've got like three different ways to talk about God. Uh, plus you've got um, in the Garden of Eden uh, creators saying, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, male and female, he created them. This indicates to me a race of, of pluralistic beings, male and female, were made in their image. Where, like, where then, Cynthia, do you think we go when we die? Well, I've, I've, I did add an appendix to my book because people kept asking me about that, and Jesus kind of alludes to it. Uh, he talks about this deep chasm uh, between heaven and earth that no, that no man can cross. And uh, I think that what he's talking about is the vast chasm of outer space. And when people see, we have the spirit of the gods in us. And I think this is this part about, you know, if you eat from this tree, you will not die. Maybe that, that's what the Catholics refer to as purgatory. That part of you that is the spirit that has the spirit, uh, the Nibirian DNA or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, that part of you goes back to where it came from to begin with, which would be Nibiru, their planet. And people that have the near-death experience, they talk about going through this long, dark tunnel, rushing towards this light. Indeed. Well, Nibiru is a light. You know, it's, got, it's a planet that radiates white light uh, or reddish light, whatever. Uh, then when they get there, they report, I have a friend, a real good friend that had a near-death experience, this is exactly what happened to her when she got there. Here was this planet, and she said there was grass, trees, a river, mm -hmm. and her grandmother was standing on a bridge, and she said, you can't come here yet. You have to go back. So she felt herself being sucked backwards, going back through this long, dark chasm. And 
people never report seeing stars when they're going through that chasm, but my husband pointed out to me that if you're in the vacuum of space, you can't see stars because there's no atmosphere to refract the light. So they may very well be, uh, their spirit is being sucked backwards. Wait a minute now, space. if you're in space, you can't see stars? That's right. That can't be true. Uh, Norman what... can tell you, you cannot see stars. Well, then because... how, do, how does the Hubble see stars? They use a lens on their, uh, that refracts light. That's true, but, but now, no, wait a minute, lens. though. But wait a minute, the astronauts, ones who uh, have gone to low Earth orbit, ones who have gone to the moon, ones who stood on the moon, they all said the stars were incredible. However, a Maybe lot they of... were made to say that. Uh, come again? Maybe they were made to say that. They have to keep their mouths shut about just about everything they saw on the moon. I've got pictures of UFOs in flight over the moon. There's no doubt about it what they are. You do have? Oh, yes. They're in my book, Extraterrestrials are on the Moon and Mars. What kind of pictures do you have? They're pictures that were taken by the astronauts. One of them is one of the astronauts standing on the moon. Hovering above him is a, a round, uh, disc-shaped, glowing white light. And it's casting such a bright light down. It's got him all lit up. The ground is all lit up. The oh, my. Then I have one where there's a UFO. It's a long, white, cylindrical object. It's flying over the Terminator on the moon. Uh, it's giving off a kind of a vapor trail, very large. And then another one that is an, an object that's long, white, cylindrical. It's about 16 miles long. It's flying over some craters over the moon. And oh, holy mackerel. Cynthia, let me ask you a question. Do you and your husband have a computer? Yes. Uh, is there any chance that you could take what you consider to be the best. I like the white light over the astronaut, but you would be the best judge of this. Take the best photograph, scan it. Do you have a scanner? Uh, I'll have to ask Norman. Norman? <laughs> yeah, let's ask Norman. Norman! Do we have a scanner that'll scan a photograph? Yeah. Oh, that's a yes? Mm-hmm. All right, Cynthia. Here's my idea. Uh, could we, uh, is Norman really busy right now, or do you think we could ask him? Wait a minute. Come here, honey. Go ahead. Let, let, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Let me talk to Norman for a second. Okay, here you go. All right. Oh, you can't do it right now? Oh, the scanner's, scanner's not hooked not up. Oh. <laughs> oh. We don't have software loaded up. See, we've been having computer problems. He just had to rebuild my computer. He, he knows how to do stuff like that. He's a, my husband's a genius. I mean, kind of like Nikola Tesla. <laughs> Uh, well, um, too bad, because, uh, gee, I would just dearly love to get some of these photographs. Let me ask you this. Well, I'll just send you some. Uh, okay, I've here we go. That's right. That's right. That's f You have negatives? Oh, yeah. No, I don't. Don't send me uh, I won't send you my negatives, but I will send you some prints. Send me some what? prints, and uh, is it okay if I uh, post a few on the website? It'll just Absolutely. promote your books? Oh, Just, just put uh, gift of sea alternative. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 that's wonderful. I, I mean, based on what you've said, we absolutely have got to see some of this. Oh, I want to tell you something else I found on, on Mars that absolutely proves to me that, that it is a Niberian base. I found a giant serpent's head, and that was the cult symbol of Ia Enki. Really? Right. And plus, on the moon, I found evidence of nuclear war. There is uh, craters, okay, Tycho and Copernicus, uh, have large rays coming off of them, and NASA photographed those with an infrared lens, and yes. they're giving off radiation. And whatever it was that that hit those and is causing the radiation blew up before 
it impacted with the moon, and no meteor or, or what asteroid or anything is going to blow up before it strikes the planet, and they're not going to leave radiation like that. It's still there. And there is evidence of a solar system war talked about in the Bible. Um, why would anybody have a war on the moon? Well, it I mean, all it's just sort of a it's, a it's a pitted, uh, even without nuclear uh, detonations, it's a pitted, airless uh, rock. Uh, it's not airless. Let me correct that. Uh, when there, the, there's air on the moon? Oh, yes. When the Apollo uh, oh, first Cynthia. went to the moon to land, yes. when it was trying to land, it drifted. It, you cannot drift in a vacuum. It drifted for like one minute. As a matter of fact, that's uh, correct. It drifted in, in the horizontal plane. So if there was... No atmosphere, it would not have drifted. Plus, I have photographs of clouds over the moon. Cl clouds. And I have photographs of vegetation. Veg excuse me? Uh-huh. Absolutely. Holy mackerel, Cynthia. Um, you're going to have to send me a lot of photographs. <laughs> what kind of vegetation do you see on the moon, pray tell? Well, uh, it, it appears to just be you know, shrub-like, but uh, there's a wonderful book out. Uh, by Fred Steckling, we discovered alien bases on the moon. Uh -huh. And he states in that book that there's trees and things like that. And I'll tell you a real weird trees? story that happened to me. When I was ordering all these NASA photographs a few years back, someone at NASA sent me microfish of the moon, of the dark side of the moon. And I was looking at the back of it, and the whole thing is landscaped. There's uh, Land like bridges, bridges? Uh, big circular walls. And when I say big... The one, the one in China would just be nothing compared to these suckers. Uh, and you have... You the microfish disappeared out of my house. How they did... Weird things happen to me. As, as you get to know me, you'll find out. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gathering that as we go here. Very strange things happen, but somebody wanted me to see those, and then somebody wanted me not to have them anymore. So the men in black do that kind of job. Huh? The men in black do that kind of job. MIBs. Perhaps so, but anyway. All right, so listen, I... Cynthia, hold on. We're, we're at the top of the hour, and we have to break here. Time does fly when you're having fun, and this is fun. We'll be right back. A Sexual Encounters with Extraterrestrials. Book two is War in Heaven. Book three is Extraterrestrials are on the moon, along with landscaping. I added that. And the Holy Bible is an extraterrestrial transmission. Now... This is this is intriguing stuff, to say the least. Uh, we're going to get Cynthia back. Uh, this fact says, uh, see, Cynthia said you can't see stars in space because you have nothing to refract, that you need uh, some sort of lens or something, and I, I don't know that I buy that one. And either does this faxer who says rudely, this woman is an idiot. You can't see stars in space, question mark, exclamation point, Ted. Well, I'm not sure about that either, but, you know, you might recall that when our astronauts were on the moon, remember that? I sure do. Um, they, uh, they never did seem to be able to get photographs of stars. Now, the explanation that was given by several of the astronauts that I have interviewed was that uh, the camera, of course, was focusing on the astronauts or on the landscape, and that the aperture was not open enough to see the stars. And you can uh, nearly, you can prove that to yourself by taking a good quality CCD camera outside and pointing it at the stars. You will not see stars. What you will see is black, 
about the best you can hope for is the moon. You will see the moon. You'll be able to take some uh, video of the moon. Anyway, Cynthia is really something else. I think you're going to enjoy her. You may not agree with her, but I really do think you're going to enjoy her, and we're going to get back to her in just a moment. First, I've got to talk. You really got slammed here. <laughs> That's okay. My husband said to say that that is highly debatable and... I mean, if somebody wants to get upset about it, that's fine. But all the NASA photos that I have that show astronauts standing on the moon or spacecraft flying over the Terminator, you can't yeah. see any stars. Well, no, that is true. <laughs> but, but they give they give an explanation for that. I know. I heard it. Uh, Norman you, you, said it's not worth arguing about because it is debatable. But this is what we think. Okay. Okay. So, uh, no big deal. Right. All right. Um, I'll buy that. Uh, please continue with what you think. Um, I, I'm really, really interested. Well, can I tell you about some of the other things I found on Mars? You absolutely may. And then, you know, maybe half past the hour we'll get the phone lines open and see what people have to say. And I have a feeling they're going to say a lot. Uh, I found another sphinx exactly like the one in Egypt, only it has a female face on it. Really? Mm-hmm. That's in Utopia. Plus, I found a large arrow that's etched into the ground in the Martian plain. Very large. Uh, just looks like somebody drew it out there. It's got the little feather-like things off the end of it. Right. Uh, that's interesting to me because you would have to see that from space. It's almost like someone was pointing to go a certain way, which would be an indication of a base. And I wanted also to tell everyone that there is furrowed ground on Mars, which indicates that someone may be using their base there now. Plus, there's other evidence that someone is operating a base. Uh, the Phobos-2 space probe was destroyed over Mars, and it managed to take a few pictures of what was coming towards it that destroyed it. And it was a long, white, cylindrical object about 16 miles long, exactly like the one that I have a NASA photograph of flying over the moon. Oh. So here we have two of the same type of spacecraft on two different planets, the moon and Mars. And by the way, uh, the moon has pyramids on it. I, I made a discovery myself on the moon of what appears to be some pyramids in the middle of a large crater. I call that uh, Pyramid City. Anyway, I've got this all laid out in my book, and I show uh, the drawings of that isosceles triangle I was talking about that's laid out, that has that other face that's exactly like the face on Mars that I found. Right. Uh, right below that one. And I have a picture of the Phobos II in there also that I took at a, a space exhibit over here in Fort Worth just to show people what the thing looks like. And uh, then all pictures of all the other things we've been Boy, doing. I have got to get my hands on some of these pictures. <laughs> well, get my book. <laughs> 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 I will send you some, though, some of the photos. Um, I will get them up, I promise, on the website as soon as I can. Also, there's a crater uh, that I, I published a photograph of, Tchaikovsky, uh, and uh, the guy that wrote We Discovered Alien Bases on the Moon, right. uh, he believes that that has water in it, and it does look like water in there. And, you know, the scientists did come out and say about six months ago that, that there's uh, water on the moon in the form of ice, but who's to say that there's not water, liquid water on the moon? If there's a small atmosphere, there could be enough, you know, to hold some surface water. And there's, there's clouds. So 
Clint, now where? No, no. <laughs> you're, you're really going to draw some fire. Clouds on the moon. Well, there's photographs of clouds on the moon. They're published in that book. Uh, we discovered alien bases on the moon, and then I have some photos of them. Uh, they're there. They're there. They're there. And if there's a thin atmosphere, why not clouds? And if there's a little bit of water, uh, there should be some clouds. What kind of clouds are on the moon? Uh, I don't know much about clouds. They just they look like long, kind of uh, stringy looking. And and Fred Steckling said in his book that there was uh, areas of the moon that would uh, have kind of foggy, mist-like areas. Right. Uh, there has to be some water for that to be possible, is my understanding anyway. Hmm. Um, now, well, now they have discovered water on the moon. That's right. Or at least they believe they have at the poles. Yeah. All right? That much I acknowledge. Uh, but clouds, clouds would require... An atmosphere. Well, we just we determined that there is a thin atmosphere because the uh, lunar uh, module uh, floated. You know, it drifted. <laughs> uh, now, why could that not have been? We know that there is some gravity on the moon. What is it? An eighth gravity, I think they say, or something. Mm, something like that. Um, so, why not presume that there was some sort of horizontal? Uh, thrusting going on that caused the, the spacecraft to move in a horizontal way. Well, that I guess that is a possibility, but then what about photographs of clouds? Get that book. Uh, we discovered alien bases on the moon. That thing it's got it's probably got about a hundred photos, and there's lots of photos in there of clouds. Lots of photos of clouds. And another thing too, I reproduced in my book uh, the original voice transcript of when they went to the moon. And by the way, I have an original tape of that that someone gave me. Uh, and what you, what's on the tape? Uh, well, it talks about seeing uh, a beautiful barbarian, which indicates to me that's a code word for an extraterrestrial, sounds like to me. And, you know, they use coded words like, yes, Santa Claus is real. Um, you probably have heard this before. Do, do you? I have actually. Yeah, I've read some of this on the internet. Do you actually have these tapes? I, I mean, for example, could you play them on the air? Well, okay. My husband is working on that right now. It's it's on one of those old reel-to-reels, and he's trying to alter this machine that we have to be able to play the thing. Right. Uh, I think he did fix it, and he's been listening to it. But it, it's a there's a lot of long, boring stuff you have to listen to before you get to the good part. I see. I mean, we we have to have time to listen to it and edit it, you know, to get to the good stuff. Because you don't want to bore your listeners with no, I don't. Mission control talk. You're not. You are. <laughs> however, you are not boring me. And um, uh, from from extraterrestrials, how many? Do you have any idea how many are here on Earth? Different types. Yeah, well, no. How many in numbers? Okay, let me tell you this. The Bible says that there was a war in heaven and that one-third of the inhabitants of heaven were exiled to earth. Right. That's a large amount of, of extraterrestrials that can't go back to heaven. They have no place else to go. I think they're on bases on the moon, Mars, and on earth. I think they're in those secret underground tunnels and under the ocean. And the Bible even says that they're under the earth and under the sea. Now, how more explicit can we get? That's pretty explicit. Uh, in terms of numbers, uh, there are six billion human beings plus. 
And their planet's a lot larger than ours, so there could be a lot of them. I mean, they're probably, the majority of them are probably on the moon and Mars, but I I do believe that there's probably a huge contingency of them. All right, the next important question, and I suppose this would vary depending on the race, but uh, an obvious question is, what do they intend for us? Well, see, there, there is a war going on. That war in heaven was fought over us because uh, the God of the Old Testament, who I've traced back to being the Mesopotamian moon deity, Nanar Sin, I found a Mesopotamian text that describes how he went back to heaven, he staged a military coup, he took over there, he made all the gods in heaven to obey him, he used a, a, a lightning-type weapon, uh, he made everyone on earth to obey him. Uh, what I think happened is uh, he went back there, he took over, uh, then the war in heaven took place sometime around the time of Christ because there are some some of those beings did not want to give us eternal life and allow us to go back to Nibiru. But the God of the Old Testament, that was his plan. Because uh, if you study Nanar Sin and, and read the ancient text about him, he really cared for human beings. He really loved them. And uh, when we would get killed in their wars of aggression, he would be very upset about it. Uh, like when they destroyed uh, the city of Ur, about the time that he told Abraham to leave. Right. Uh, that was done with nuclear weapons, and it just totally uh, destroyed everybody in, in that uh, uh, Sumerian region. You know, a lot of the people were killed, and, and the ones that escaped had to go off into other countries. And All right, Cynthia, a lot of people who are listening to you will say the aliens that you're talking about are actually um, angels. That's right, they are. That's and exactly that when right. they mix with human beings and there is offspring, they are Nephilim. Well, okay, that's, that's a good point, and I brought that out in my book. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is real, really good. Uh, the word Nephilim, mm -hmm. uh, there's two ways to write that. If you write it and you separ separate Neph and Elim by using a Hebrew character Yod, that indicates that that person is a hybrid, that they are... Uh, born between the daughters of men, talked about in Genesis 6, 1 through 4, right. and one of the Nephilim, one of those who came down from heaven, because that's what that word means. It means uh, those who came down from heaven. And I find that rather intriguing. And when you write the name of Jesus Christ in Hebrew, uh, his name was uh, Yeshua, uh, right. it actually has... All right, Cynthia, a lot of people who are listening to you will say the aliens that you're talking about are actually um, angels. Exactly that when right. they mix with human beings and there is offspring, they are Nephilim. Well, okay, that's, that's a good point, and I brought that out in my book. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is real, really good. Uh, the word Nephilim, mm -hmm. uh, there's two ways to write that. If you write it, and you separ separate Neph and Elim by using a Hebrew character Yod, that indicates that that person is a hybrid, that they are 
uh, born between the daughters of men, talked about in Genesis 6, 1 through 4, and one of the Nephilim, one of those who came down from heaven, because that's what that word means. It means uh, those who came down from heaven. And I find that rather intriguing. And when you write the name of Jesus Christ in Hebrew, uh, his name was uh, Yeshua, uh, it actually has one of those yods separating the Y from the Shua. All right, well, at one time it was said that um, the Lord God flooded earth, uh, causing Noah to take two of each along in order to drown and get rid of all these objectionable little creatures that were mixes. Uh, what makes you think we're not on our way to that same sort of... Uh, we are on our way to that because... Uh, I mean, look at El Nino. Jesus Christ said that it would be just as it was in the days of Noah, and he was referring to the global catastrophe of the Great Flood, because, see, every third orbit of Nibiru, I believe, causes uh, one of those global floodings, maybe a pole shift or something like that. Which occurs, which, uh, how, how frequently that's is this? Every 10,800 years, because it'd be 3,600 times three. You know, that's just about... Uh, where a lot of conventional uh, science dates the pyramids and the Sphinx. Right, and Sitchin pointed out in his work that those were built after the flood, and uh, let's see, the flood would have occurred about 11,000 years ago, give right. or take a couple hundred years, and that, that works out perfectly with my timetable for the return of Nibiru in 2060 A.D. And what do you think will happen then? Well, I, Jesus said if he didn't come back when he did, no flesh would be saved. I think he was referring to the fact that we were going to have a pole shift, and he talked about how there would be strange uh, signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, uh, that there would be dismay in the uh, in the nations and perplexity at what was taking place on earth, and he said the seas would be uh, roaring, and, and uh, this all sounds to me like uh, the passage of a large body uh, through the solar system, which is Nibiru, and this would trigger off uh, the pole shift. It would trigger off the Great Flood. That's what happened when it came, you know, uh, three orbits ago, 10,800 years ago, counting back from 2060 A.D. All right, and most people I talk to suggest that a pole shift would bring with it eight or 900 mile per hour winds. Right. It would uh, literally wipe the slate clean. That's right. And another civilization would have come and gone, right. namely us. Heraclitus of Ephesus, he said that every 10,800 years, catastrophe destroys mankind on earth. And he was alluding to these uh, pole shifts and the floods. And then an ancient Egyptian priest also said that uh, there had been many floods, but we remembered only one. And he said, none of you survive but the uncultured and the unlettered. In other words... Only people living in real remote areas, like up on mountains and stuff, a few of them might survive to come down and repopulate the earth, but those people are ignorant. They don't know anything, so that civilization has to blossom all over again. It makes a lot of sense. You need to read my book, that book I sent you. You need to read it, because I've really put a lot of work into this. I fully well, the only it. reason that I generally... I, I do read books after I talk to guests, but the reason that I don't do it is because of... For example, right now, if you and I sit here and discuss something that we are both privy to because you wrote and I read your book, yeah. it leaves the audience out. Whereas, <laughs> whereas when you stumble, in, when you go plunging into these things that I don't understand, I stop and ask questions the way the audience would. 
Do you, you see what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I see what you mean. I understand. I, I'm just saying that now that you've talked to me, <laughs> now that really I've talked to you, now that we've done a show, uh, believe me, uh, I need to read your book. Now, did you send me just one, or did you send me the whole group? I sent you uh, the, the Holy Bible as an extraterrestrial transmission, and I will send you War in Heaven. Okay. Uh, now that I know you're interested in reading them. And I'd like to say that uh, the people that have read my books so far, they love them. And as a matter of fact, you, you can testify to that because uh, that Michael guy that kept uh, faxing you, he has started a network for me to get other people interested in my books, to get other researchers to take a look at them and see what I've accomplished. Right. And uh, he is recruiting people right now to work for him to uh, just network for me. And he's already got one other guy that's doing it. This uh, this Michael guy is doing this three days a week. He quit the job he had and is taking, took a job that he only works four days a week so that he could do this for me three days a week. My and goodness. He hardly knows me. He's just doing it because he loves my books. He was telling me this other guy has memorized both the Bible uh, Holy Bible is an extraterrestrial transmission and war in heaven. They call him the prophet now because he can quote from my books. Like, yes, he's memorized. So they, he can say, well, see, Alternative says on page 147, paragraph 3, so and so. <laughs> All right. Uh, Cynthia, when we get back from the break, I'm, I, I need to ask you about the Holy Bible as an extraterrestrial transmission. And then I'm going to open the phone lines. Really, I'm going to do that now. And I can't wait to see what the audience has to say. All right? Okay. All right. Stay right there. To Cynthia Turnage, and she is going to get quite a response. Now, here's a good one. And uh, here's one from... Pamela, the reptilian queen, she calls herself here. <laughs> Art, what a great show and an incredible lady. Tell me this isn't the last time you'll have her on. She's brilliant. What a wild and wonderful researcher. And thank you for delving further into the so-called abduction phenomenon. I believe it to be one of the more profound mysteries of existence that we are waking up to. And what a discovery. Some answers to the questions that man has longed for throughout history. I hope she has lots of copies of everything all over the country, I can feel them triangulating as I type. Gratefully, Pamela. <laughs> now, did you ever interview Pamela? No, I didn't. Uh, I was hoping to get a hold of her, so maybe she'll call me or get in touch with me. I have a website, and she could email me, but uh, I would like to talk to her about her case. Uh, can I give out my email? You certainly may. Okay, it's N-O-R-M-W at fastlane dot net and I, I would love to get email oh you do huh i get lots of it believe me <laughs> all right give it give it one more time if you love email boy can i help you out okay it's n-o-r-m-w at fastlane.net oh that's norm w at fastlane.net uh -huh. all right okay now we are going to go to the phones and uh, we're not screening calls uh, Cynthia, so I make no guarantees whatsoever about what you're going to get. Okay. You're, you're going to get, believe me, the, oh, no, 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 wait, just before I open the lines, they're all ringing anyway. People want to talk to you. Okay. My fax machine is going berserk. <laughs> um, the Bible is an extraterrestrial transmission. We can't go whizzing by that one. Uh, I really, before we, before you leave me tonight, I want to tell, tell everybody why I think it's a legal contract and the good news about it okay Whenever. But, 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 but I mean right now that the title of the book alone is so uh, controversial that I've got to know 
what you're basing that on, that it's an extraterrestrial transmission? Well, it's a series of mathematically coded transmissions. We've already talked about how it's based on a, a, a race of beings from this planet, Nibiru. Uh, this, it is a legal contract because the word testament, like Old and New Testament, that means covenant. And we know right. that Abraham had this covenant with God, and then it's extended through Jesus Christ to the Gentiles of earth. That's what the New Testament means. Uh, we also know that in the book of Revelation, there was a special book that was sealed with seven seals, and the Mesopotamian deities sealed contracts with seven seals. And when that first con uh, seal was broken in Revelation, uh, it signified the opening or the execution of this legal agreement. And if you know anything about Michael Drosnan's book, The Bible Code, that's that mathematics. Oh, I do. Code. I, I do, yes. Uh -huh. Okay, well, that computer code is what I'm talking about as far as those mathematically coded parts of the transmissions. Uh, once that was opened, that signified the beginning of the end times, and it also signified that the, one of the seven seals was broken. In other words, the legal contract was being executed and that, that this is phase one of the legal contract. This is like Jesus Christ is not back yet from the Bureau. He went back to prepare a place for us to get reinforcements to come back to put down the serpent faction. And in, in his uh, interim, while he's gone, uh, this Bible code was given to us to save us. And if you interviewed Michael Drosnan, he probably pointed that out. I have not yet. I would love to interview him, though. Well, it's in the book. It's in the book, The Bible Code. It says in the coded part, it does say the code was given to us to save us. So this is like Christ's way of saying, even though things are going to be bad until I get back, and, and there's going to be this war when I get back between the forces of the home planet and the serpent faction here, and plus all that stuff going on in the Middle East has to do with what I'm talking about, and I'll explain that later. But this Bible code can help us because we can get answers. Like uh, it tells us about earthquakes that are going to take place. Right. If we know a huge earthquake is going to hit in Tokyo, we can mass evacuate people on that during that, that time. Uh, if we know where a, a, an asteroid is going to strike, we can try to break it apart with our particle beam weapons, you know, our Star Wars defense system. Uh, the whole thing was designed to help us, to save us. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. There's no other book on Earth that's coded this way. And I've got the computer code. I know the thing is real. All right. Um, there, there would have been a million places during this interview so far that I could have stopped you and pressed you for details. But what I'm going to do is let the audience do it instead. And I'm sure each person will pick up on something different. The one thing I would ask the audience is, yes, this is controversial, uh, but be polite. Uh, press uh, Cynthia if you like, but uh, please be polite when you do it. Um, otherwise, I'll blow you out of here like a bad wind. Um, first time caller line, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hello. Hi. Hi. This is Laura and Eugene. Um, I'm just calling to... Usually, I've never called your show before. I listen to you every night. But this is actually upsetting me. <laughs> the things, I just wanted to clarify a couple of things for her. Sure. Um, number one, you can't see stars in space. I don't know who told her that or where she got that. But that's one of the reasons that we build telescopes on mountains is because our atmosphere interferes with our collection of starlight. Now, that's a very good point, Cynthia. Yeah. We, we go up high on mountains to lessen the atmosphere. What, well, what about that? I'm real sorry that that statement upset people, okay? That's what my husband told me, and that's 
you know, he, he was telling me it's not worth arguing about. It's a debatable point. But I hope that you won't let that one little thing uh, make you not like me. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's not. It's nothing personal. I just don't agree with, uh, I guess, saying things on national radio that you can't prove scientifically. And Oh, look, I wouldn't have a show if you couldn't do oh, that. Oh, no, 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 I know. And I, my boyfriend made the same point to me, actually, earlier. <laughs> and that's fine. That's totally fine. But I just get... It's just really irritating sometimes. But and the other thing with um, the moon, I don't know if you ever looked at the moon through a telescope actually yourself, uh, uh, direct observation. But there's no vegetation on the moon. There is. Have you looked no, at the dark side of the moon? The dark side. Of, I've seen photographs of it. NASA photographs. Yes. Oh well, so have I. And I've also seen the microfish. And I have photographs of the vegetation. Um, photographs can be faked very easily. And why would there be vegetation on the side of the moon, only the side of the moon that we can't see from Earth? Well, that's a good point. But there was, there is evidence of a solar system war, and maybe there's too much radiation on the front side. I don't know. That could be from the sun. That could be from a lot of things. I well, I, I too have not seen uh, photographs of vegetation on the moon, but I would like to see them. You will see them. Yeah, it I would love to go to a website and look at these photographs for myself. Especially, point, especially landscaped vegetation. Well, now, I, I, when I said landscaped, I didn't mean mean that I had photographs of landscaped vegetation. I was saying oh. that the backside of the moon appears to be landscaped from those microfish that I looked at. But I don't have the microfish anymore. Where were they from? NASA. That's interesting. I would like to see those sometime. I don't uh, have them anymore. Yeah, I think that a lot of the information, maybe you should just check it out a little bit better, some of it, because I'm only 22 years old, and I've only taken a few classes, and I know more about this stuff. Well, she um, definitely believes this. There's no question about that. Yeah, there's definitely no question about that, and that's every, she has every right to do that, of course. Um, I well, I'm, just, I'm basing this on what I've seen in the photographs, okay? I mean, I haven't been to the moon. I don't know myself. I can't yeah. say, oh, definitely, I was back there and I saw what's there. I just think it's good to take everything like that with a grain of salt and look at it a little critically um, and know that photographs can be faked by anybody, even by people at NASA. I mean, anybody can but fake But why would they fake photographs of vegetation and Why wouldn't they? Huh? I mean, you can come up with a hundred reasons why they would or why they wouldn't. Uh, they can. usually try to cover things like that up. Well, by, uh, according to who? According to the well, media? According to the government who's trying to cover it? I mean, well, there are a lot of there are there are listen. There are a lot of legitimate scientists who may not agree with what she's saying, but they do agree that NASA has covered things up. And that may be true, but that you can't always say that that's true. You can't always that's automatically right. believe. No, I, I, no one always lies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I think it's good to take it with a grain of salt and to try and be a little more critical about things and not just take everything in. Oh, it's a photograph, so it must be real, you know. That's that's true. Well, uh, that's not all I'm basing it on, okay? There's more to this than what you know. I know people that developed the, the NASA film when they brought it back from the, the moon, and they said that there were uh, extraterrestrials and spacecraft. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm getting this from a lot of different sources. I'm not just basing it on the photos that I have. I understand. All right. Um, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hello. 
Hi, Art. Good morning. How are you? Uh, fine. Where? Uh, turn your radio off That's for us, number one, right and now. then tell us where you are. I am uh, actually, uh, let me just say, first of all, I will never complain about Fritz getting on the line all the time. <laughs> uh, I, I called last night. I'm a police officer in uh, Shelby, Ohio. Yes, sir. Listening on actually three stations, MAN in uh, Mansfield and uh, TAM in Cleveland and another one in Columbus because we can't get you in very well. Very good. Uh, I don't have a dog moaning tonight because I'm actually on station. Um, I, I just, I, I'm going to have to agree with the last caller. I, I can't, some of your shows are far out, and I, I have no problem with that. Although most of your callers... Wait a minute, your, now, as I recall, last night you were wishing for far out. I, I was, and I got it, Art. I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> astounded that I got it tonight. All right. Um, most of your uh, guests, even on the far out side... Uh -huh. offer some proffer of proof, um, and I'm not saying that that uh, that this one that is not, but, you know, she said that she has other things other than photographs, then what are they? I, I don't have any problem believing something or, or even considering something if you can offer something. But a, a photograph, uh, the dark side of the moon, I mean, we all know that vegetation must have sunlight to grow. How well, does... who says the dark side of the moon doesn't ever, never gets any sunlight? And why is it the dark side of the moon? <laughs> it's the dark side to us because we can't see it. Okay. Well, that, your, your she, point, she, I, I that's a good point, actually. I, I mean, you, you claim that... That doesn't mean the dark side of the moon doesn't get sunlight. It no, means... no I, I understand that. I understand that. But if you talk about things that the government might cover up, and I don't have any doubt of that, uh, why would the government cover up that there is vegetation on the moon. Because that might indicate that there's extraterrestrial activity or life there, and they're trying to cover this up. Haven't you read any of Hoagland's books? No. I've only I've only listened uh, to the show, to be quite honest with you. But I, I'm not trying to criticize, well, and you're entitled to your opinion. I just I don't... Let me, let me just say this, okay? Why don't you get this excellent book called The Monuments of Mars, A City on the Edge of Forever? That's Read a, that. That's Richard's book. That's right. Richard okay. Hoagland's book. Read that, and then maybe you might, you might understand where I'm coming from on this well, government cover-up thing. Understand that I'm not I'm not trying to be strictly critical. I'm just... I can only compare you as a guest to other guests that I've heard, and, and, and some things I, I find to be at least... Arguable. I mean, I'm, I'm even surprised actually at Art when he went to the break. Uh, some of the things he said he didn't believe, and he hasn't really questioned you on those things either. Well, everybody's entitled to their, to their opinion. I'm not saying that you have to believe what I'm saying. I'm just saying this is what it appears to be to me mm -hmm. based on what the evidence that I have collected and put into my books. You can look at it. Uh, you don't have to agree with it or believe it. I'm not the only one that's writing books about this kind of stuff. There's well, no, lots I, under of books I, out I understand, there. and I'm not trying to argue, and I'm not trying to be argumentative, but I just feel that some of your your previous statements, your early kind of um, unbelievable statements, are akin to saying that because a boat floats on water, man can walk on it. Are you? What are you talking about? Are I'm just, talking I'm just about? saying that you. You're saying these things that are so outlandish to me, and, and again, I'm not trying to about be argumentative the... or critical. I'm just saying that you're taking something because. There, because the the uh, lunar module drifted, that there must be air. It's to me like saying that because a boat floats, you can walk on water. All right, um, I, I appreciate the call, and uh, that you you are going to face some of it. I mean, you've got to realize, Cynthia, that what you are saying is pretty outlandish. Well, I mean, to some people, you know, vegetation and landscaping on the moon and all that. I've seen a lot of pictures of the moon, and surely I've never seen even. You know, even a blade of grass. 
because you haven't seen the backside of it. Let me just say this. When Galileo was, was talking about uh, the sun, wasn't he the one that was saying the sun was the center of the solar system and the earth revolved around it? Oh, yes. He got, you know, uh, tortured and, and told that he was a nut and everything like that. So it really does. I really don't care what anybody thinks. It's about, true. And if, they, you know, if my audience could torture you, they probably would. Um, that's but that's fine. okay. Uh, right, that's all right. I'm sure I've to... got guts because you have to have guts to yes, write the books that I've written. Oh, yes, The Holy do. Bible is an extraterrestrial transmission. Lots of guts for that. Uh, I'm, I'm not scared of anybody, and I'm not, uh, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. All I'm saying is that I've put that's all cool. this evidence together. This is what it appears to be to me. I document everything with footnotes, and I show you exactly which books I got my information out of mm-hmm. so that I can present my argument like an attorney. Would who's trying a case, nope. and then a person can look at it, and uh, the people that have all read my books so far, they love them. I haven't had a single complaint. All right, um, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage uh, under siege. Uh, wait a minute, I didn't push the button. There you go. West of the Rockies, now you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Hi. This is Tom in Santa Barbara. Hey, Tom. I just wanted to say I think this woman is is just about as honest as any of your guests has ever been, if not more. And uh, probably as credible in my mind. She she just is less persuasive about the things she says. And to me, I, I like that myself. Well, I think she is very forceful about what she's saying. Now, when you say persuasive, do you mean that uh, uh, her facts are not presented as slickly or... Um... Yes, in part. And I think that most of the people who, who are... Telling somewhat outlandish stories or telling very good stories that, when all put together, they sound uh, persuasive. And perhaps hers is not quite as polished in the rest of that, and that's that's the way it should be. Yeah, that's a fair comment. All right. Uh, and to C.L. Turnage, Cynthia, actually. Um, Cynthia, um, are you ready? For what? <laughs> Oh, more of the same, uh, all of these blinking lines, all these people who want to talk to you. Okay, okay. Really going nuts here. Okay. All right, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Hello, Art. My name's Tom. I'm calling from Orlando. Hi, Tom. Yeah, um, I was wondering, back in the 1970s where I got interested in the um, alien and the Bible connection, there was a show on TV that I remembered that um, a group of college students put the... Um, Ark of the Covenant together according to what the Bible um, described it, and all of a sudden it started to generate electricity. You know, um, in other words, they uh, reproduced the Ark as described in the Bible. Yeah, and it uh, when they got it together, it produced um, starts to produce electricity and sends out radio waves. I was wondering if um, your guest knew anything about that. Yes, I do know about it, and I'm writing a book about the Hebrew Temple and the Ark of the Covenant and the uh, a costume of the high priest and how that costume was designed to protect him from that uh, elect- electricity that came out of the ark. And there's po- a possibility that there was radiation coming out of the ark. And yeah. it's my understanding the ark was a giant electrical condensing unit. Yeah, according to what they said, it may have been also a transmitter, too. Yes, it was. It was a transmitter. And I, I bring that out in my books. I talk about that extensively because... Uh, this all ties into what's going on in the Middle East because when the the Jews rebuild that temple over there, that is to be used in conjunction with the spaceport that was in the Sinai, yeah. and they talk to God with that ark. That's how they communicate with him. That's how the high priest could go in there and ask God questions and then come out with answers. Wow. 
And um, I also know that um, there was some ancient, you know, drawings of the Hebrews when they was carrying the ark, showing the, them carrying the ark where the um, bolts of lightning were jumping out of the ark, destroying their enemies in front of them. That's right. And if you remember, Adab and Nabihu in the Bible, they poured a libation on the ark. In other words, they poured some liquid on it. Yeah. And when they did, strange fire that could not be quenched came out and killed them. And that sounds to me like electricity. Yeah, it sure does. All right. Uh, thank you very much for the call. I would uh, mark that down in the supportive column. No question about it. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Hi, Eric. How are you today? Okay. You're going to have to yell at us. You're not too strong, sir. Where are you? I'm on a cell. Uh, sunshine cool stuff. Uh, oh, boy. You're, you're, really, you're really weak. I can't hear him at all. Because, uh, because I have my mouth half-occupied with sunflower seeds. I see. Well, you shouldn't call a radio show when you have your mouth half-occupied with sunflower seeds. Oh, it's just a bite full. I'll have them finished real quick. Uh, okay. Well, uh, do you have a question? Oh, absolutely. Tons of them, but I'll try and ask uh, just the one anyway. All right. Hmm. I'm just wondering, uh, is there any uh, estimation when this, uh, not so much when, but how high these floodwaters come when uh, 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 that all takes place? It seems to me that it was only... If you melted everything, the glaciers, the whole bit, it was roughly calculated that'd be about 50, 40 or 50 feet of elevation. That doesn't seem like very much, like it would wipe out. Well, don't forget, it also causes rainstorms, tremendous uh, flooding and raining, and that right there, that could, you know, cause the flooding all over the place. Well, um, again, he and high winds. Yeah, he asked how high it gets. Now, a lot of people think that the arc. Uh, Noah's Ark is on the side of Mount Ararat. Uh-huh. And that might give somebody some indication of how high. Well, plus there's tidal waves that occur during that uh, pole shift. Uh, if you read the Atrahasis, uh, it describes in there uh, flooding, terrible rain, a dark cloud, the earth gone crazy. Uh, you know, if you read that book, Ice Ice 2000, he gives another excellent description of what happens. It, it's pretty much catastrophic all over the earth. Maybe some of the highest mountains, uh, people manage to survive on those, but that's all I know about that. All right. First time caller line, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, uh, turn your radio off, sir. I did. Okay. Where are you? I'm in Boulder City, Nevada. Oh, all right. I uh, finally got through to you. I've listened to you for years. Well, welcome. And uh, I just hope that, you know, I have read some of uh, some excerpts of Zechariah Stitchin's book, and uh, I think that, uh, this individual was right on the money. As well, yeah, actually, a lot of what she is saying, uh, Zechariah Stitchin, uh, it comes from Stitchin. There's no question about it. Oh, yeah, and, uh, well, I've listened to Zechariah. I've heard him talk in person, and uh, it's always... It's a, a, quite a study of all of us, but the only thing that I got to say, I commend her at it, and anybody who calls in who don't have the research that she has and says, well, she's wrong, I wish they just ask her an intelligent question so we can learn something. Well, why don't you do that? Well, uh, I, I just really don't. Everything that she says, I have to agree with the dark side of the moon. And matter of fact, there was a guy, even the um, the uh, the trees and the... Well, yeah, I, I, I would I, I, you no, know, no, I would. There was a guy that I listened to talk uh, quite a long time ago out the library out there in West Charleston, uh, Doctor Stranges. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Oh yes, and, I've interviewed him. Oh, have you? Oh, sure. And he was rather interesting. He, he more or less indicated the population of the moon is six million people. 
Wow. In Six relation months. to the aliens and et cetera and et cetera. Although I don't agree with her that we went there by <laughs> by a spaceship. I think we go there by time vortex. But uh, All right. Well, see, now, uh, there we have – I have a problem with that. He says we didn't go to the moon in a spaceship. Uh, are you talking about – our astronauts didn't go in the Yeah, he, he's saying that uh, he doesn't think that, that we did that, but he thinks six million people live on the moon. Well, all I can say is when I was a little girl, I watched those Apollo moon landings, and it appeared that we were going to the moon. Uh, I do have those NASA photographs, and I know people believe that photographs aren't evidence. That's okay. That, that's their opinion. Uh as far as six million people living there, I have no idea how many aliens could be living there. The moon is hollow because when uh, uh, the lunar module set down on it, it started ringing, and that's in an, in an encyclopedia that you're, I have. You're, oh, no, you're absolutely right about it. Look, that's Hoagland stuff. Um, it's true. And the moon rang for, for several hours after that, so it's definitely hollow on the inside. There could be, you know... Thousands or millions of people living in it. I don't know, or aliens, whatever. Well, certainly from the outside, on the side we can see, it does not exactly look like a place you'd want to live. But, no. but you're right, inside, uh, who knows? Um, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Uh, yeah, Art. I wanted to ask uh, a question. Good. Actually, a couple of them. All right. Okay. I wanted to say that if you were thinking militarily, you know, like you're, um, you know, in an army, that would be the best place to position your troops on the back side of that. Oh, there's no question about it, of yeah. course, yes. You'd position you. your reconnaissance right there, and then you'd go on maybe further back and position the bulk of your main troops. Oh, there's no question about it. Thank you. That, that has occurred to me. Yeah, and I wanted to ask her if she has ever heard of a planet named Allure. Allure? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, I just was wondering. Okay, thanks a lot. All right, thank you very much. Uh, so uh, there's a little more support for you. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Hi, Art, Cynthia. Um, I wanted to ask Cynthia if she's familiar with the, um, the ancient expression, that which is above is like that which is below. Yeah, I've that, heard of that. Yeah. Uh, does that tie in with, with your book about the war in heaven? Well, you could interpret that. Uh to mean that, you know, the things that are happening here on Earth, you know, human beings, the way we live, a planet, is the same thing as, as it is up there. Right. So that's the way I would interpret that. Okay. I, I think you're a great guest, and uh, I'm enjoying uh, the uh, program very much, Art. All right. Thank you very much. Well, uh, she she certainly is. You certainly are standing there. And, uh, well, don't you all want to hear about Saddam being the Antichrist? <laughs> Um, sure, give us what you got. Well, okay, in the book of Daniel, it talks about uh, a, re uh, a reincarnated uh, Nebuchadnezzar-like figure. And this is mentioned also in Revelations. It's alluded to. Uh, also, it says that Babylon will be rebuilt, and then God's going to destroy it and punish it when he comes back. Uh, Saddam Hussein has rebuilt Babylon exactly as it was with its original materials, and the Bible does say that it's going to burn, and it has to be built out of its original materials to be able to burn, because most modern buildings, uh, well, they can burn, but they're less likely to burn like that. But anyway, uh, so Saddam believes he's the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar. He has his head on one side of a gold coin and Nebuchadnezzar's on the other. He believes in the Anunnaki. He believes uh, 
that they're coming back. He's re- rebuilt the uh, ziggurat that belongs to Marduk, who's the head of the serpent faction, the adversarial forces. Mm-hmm. So you believe he is... Um, I think he's the, the... The Antichrist. Yes, I do. I think because of everything that I have written about in my book, War in Heaven, the evidence does seem to point to Saddam Hussein. Remarkable. See, there, the controversy that is going on between the serpent faction and the forces of the home planet was played out, if you look in Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar's god was Marduk. And that doesn't say that in the Bible, but I found these ancient texts, Mesopotamian texts, that tie uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar to the god Marduk. And there are other texts also that indicate that Marduk is the adversary of the Old Testament, a god of the Old Testament. He's hmm. a Satan. That's what that word means. It means adversary, Satan. 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 Mm-hmm. So how do you think it'll play out? Well, I think that what's going to happen is the serpent faction is going to uh, appear on earth because Jesus did say that, that there would be false cross that would appear on earth before he came back and not to be fooled by them. Right. And uh, I think what they'll do is they'll set up a, a totalitarian dictatorship here on the surface. Uh, they'll get everybody under their global regime. Anybody that won't pledge allegiance to them, they'll that they'll institute the mark of the beast, and if you won't take that, then you'll be killed. And by the way, uh, in the Bible, in Ezekiel and in mm-hmm. Exodus, they used marking systems on humans. Uh, in Ezekiel, they marked the people that were uh, to be destroyed, and in Exodus, the Hebrews were marked so they wouldn't be destroyed. Mm-hmm. So they've used this kind of a system before. All right, Cynthia, here they come. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Hello, this is Tim in Orlando. Oh, Tim, you're going to have to yell at us. I can hear me better now. Much better. Okay. Uh, I think this is fascinating, uh, and uh, I've been listening to it for some time now, and I I agree with a lot of what you say. But, you know, uh, uh, Mars, in his book, Alien Agenda, makes mention of the moon. Certain things about it that are rather unusual, like, for example, that it happens to be just the right diameter and just the right distance to completely obliterate the sun. uh, Isn't that strange when we have... I've wondered about that myself. When we have a um, full eclipse, the moon precisely, precisely fits in front of the sun. And what are the odds of that? Right. And the same side of the moon always faces us, faces us as That's it goes true. around. Yeah. It's also on a, uh, a more or less uh, uh, equatorial uh, orbit. It's one-sixth of our mass, and there's no other planet on, in the solar system that has a, uh, even the sum of all of the uh, satellites that add up to one-sixth of the mass. And it's hollow when it rains. It's hollow, right. When, they, when Apollo, or when they went up to the last mission that left the moon, they, they sent one of the, the limbs directly onto the surface, and they sent it with force. And they said that it, had a, that it did ring for a number of, for a long time. He said that in his book also. But getting back to the scriptures, I wanted to make mention of, uh, in uh, Genesis, it talks about um, how the creation was, the sixth chapter of Genesis, it talks about how the creation was corrupted. It says that in a couple of different translations that I've seen. And corrupted is an interesting way of putting it. You know, it makes mentions that it was corrupted, and that's why God destroyed it. So it seems as though the angels that had fallen are doing the same thing here again. 
Well, you know what? That's, I'm glad you brought that up because I brought that out in my book, War in Heaven. If you consult uh, the extra-biblical book called the uh, Book of Enoch the Prophet, that goes into a lot of detail about what was going on, the political situation here on earth. And what was happening was those sons of gods that had come down and were intermarrying with daughters of men, they were producing hybrids. And those hybrids had in mind to uh, seize military power here on Earth and to go back to Nibiru and live there and intermingle with the population. And uh, the God, uh, well, the government then of Nibiru did not want that because uh, our DNA is inferior to their DNA. They didn't want them intermarrying with us to begin with and reproducing. And they certainly didn't like the thought that we would take our inferior DNA to their planet and intermingle. Right. And then and another mention mention of that too is in second or first chronicles in the twentieth chapter, sixth verse I think it is, it talks about the Rephilim, which were the offspring of the Nephilim. Right. Uh, there and were these same. people had six fingers and six toes. Uh huh. And were giants. That's right. And you know that's kind of unusual. And the descendants uh, of those beings. Right. And finally uh, just to, uh, to one more mention it said that you mentioned where Jesus said that in the last days, so as in the time of Noah, shall it be in the last times. Well, somebody calculated out that the last time Hale Bop was here, Noah was making the ark. Well, and you know what else? Uh, I believe there's going to be a, a, a fresh intermingling. Uh, since those hybrids were living on the earth at the time of, of Noah, I think there may already be hybrids out there walking around right now. Uh, maybe the, the, a lot of the abductions and things that are going on and the people that the uh, females are being impregnated or whatever. Uh, maybe those fetuses are being altered with some Nibirian DNA put mm. back here on Earth, and they're they're here for a purpose, for a reason. Maybe at, at at the critical moment when the serpent faction is ready to appear, those hybrids will uh, start doing whatever it is they're supposed to do. Like uh, they're like infiltrated spies here to uh, es do espionage and and uh, destabilize our society. Right. Well, if you're going to take over a society, you've got to have some kind of a of a group that would be willing to to work with you. And that's right. Humans certainly Collaborate. Do that. That's right. And if you think about this, whenever uh, invading forces in, in in our own Earth history would invade a, a country, the Romans did this. Uh, they would uh, rape the women because they wanted the women to have children that were uh, part Roman, so that they would say, "Oh well, I don't hate the Roman Empire because after all, this my child is part Roman." It, it makes you have this affinity with your uh, uh, subjugator. That's right. That's true. You have to have some kind of a, of a, of a group of people that will be willing to, to go along with it. But I think you... the good side is going to have their hybrids here, too. I don't think it's all going to just be negative because I, I believe that, that Jesus Christ does care about us. That's why that Bible code was encrypted into the Bible so we could be using that till he gets here. And I think he's going to have his hybrids here working for him. All right. A fascinating show. Thank you, caller. Uh, Cynthia, hold on. We'll be right back. We're at the bottom of the hour. Grab a glass of water or something. And uh, we will continue. This is actually lots of fun. N remarkable woman. No matter what you think of her, and many will have many opinions, she has written four books. Sexual Encounters with Extraterrestrials, War in Heaven, Extraterrestrials are on the moon, and the real clincher, the Holy Bible, is an extraterrestrial transmission. We'll get back to her. Look, Cynthia, Cynthia, are you there? Yes. Are you going to let me give out my 
the 800 number where they can order the book? You had better believe it. I was going to make you give it out uh, actually now. So um, please go right ahead. Okay. It's 1-800-905-8367. And they can get any of those four books, or is it just one? Uh, the Holy Bible is an extraterrestrial transmission. Okay. That's the only one available right now. Through that. The other ones have to come through the bookstore. Okay, are they generally available, Cynthia, in bookstores? Yeah, you can just go in and, and, and tell the title of the book or my name, and they can look it up on the computer and order them that way. Okay. All right, got you. Um, and we'll repeat that yet again. Uh, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Uh, yeah, I had one more question I wanted to ask. No, you're not allowed to call twice in one show, sir. Oh, that's a sin. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Yes, hello. Hello, where are you? I am in uh, Vancouver, or Salem, Oregon. My name is Cabot. Okay, Cabot. Yes, uh, I would like to say a few things uh, to uh, this woman speaker you have. I've been doing a lot of my own research in a gravitational and a lot of uh, Teslian research. Um, I have uh, done a lot of research in uh, gravitational fields and ether fields and how they interact with um, the flowing of light. See, light is a vibration, according to Tesla, and light is a vibration in a finer type of a medium than our um, than our atmosphere can hold. So, what happens is when the spacecraft, for example, go to the moon and they come out of our atmosphere and things like that, um, the light can no longer instantiate itself into the lenses and our eyes. That's why the stars disappear and things. It's been documented in several different books. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Because, <laughs> see, my husband, he's like you. He does. He uh, goes and speaks at that Tesla convention, and he invented this thing called the MRA, Magnetic uh -huh. Resonance Amplifier. And he's oh. the one that explained all that to me, but no one would believe me. I see. Right. And, see, Tesla's done a lot of research. I've, I've, I've been studying Tesla for years, and um, I'm doing my own experiments here with gravity and things, but um, the, the fact that a light travels in a medium that's finer, you've, people have termed it the ether, things like that, and um, there's also, you know, quantum energy and things like that. There's been termed a lot of different things. However, the, um, the light travel vibrations are in this medium, and Tesla was actually able to tap into that, but that's actually a whole different story. And there's a lot of books. Um, out there that talk about Tesla and Ether, and you know, there's some really good ones. But um, anyway, that's uh, that's what I wanted to bring up that fact. So um, thank you. You thank bet. You. All right, thank you, uh, you very much for the call, and take care. So you do have some support out there, Cynthia. Well, see, I'm not crazy. My husband told me that, and he he got it from the same source this guy did. So you know, this is just people people need to start studying and boning up on their physics and their gravitational studies and things like that. All right. Um, here we go. Uh, let's go wild card line. You're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Yes, hi. Where are you, sir? I'm in Reno, California. Hi, Art. Hi, Cynthia. I have hi. a comment and a question. Uh, in regard to the close encounter of the, uh, the the farmer, I guess it was in Ohio back in 59, uh, that she mentioned earlier. Oh, uh, talk, no, that was in Brazil. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was 1957 in Brazil, Antonio Villas Boas. Well, the comment was a little bit uh, off the cuff, but I, I was just—I think I might have dated that white-haired, red pubic-haired alien at one point. No, <laughs> that's, that's an aside. But my serious question would be: 
given this uh, this kind of information, which I'm sort of new to, uh, but but I have have heard about it throughout, you know, since the 60s and 70s in my hippie days, um, these connections from the Bible to aliens. Uh-huh. How would you suggest a person proceed, if you will, in their rectifying themselves with this heritage or with this with this relationship? Uh, in regard to, you know, the planning their own life or where they well, will be in, in... That's why you need to read my books because I've, I'm showing everybody... What I've done in my books is I've showed them the origin of the Bible. I've showed them uh, who the God of the Old Testament is. I've showed them that the Bible is a legal contract and how you can be uh, part of that legal contract, and that's through Jesus Christ. It's basically what we've already known except... Ministers didn't have the big picture because they didn't look at the, the text outside the Bible, and you need to do that to really understand the Bible and what it is. And now that this book, The Bible Code, has come out, uh, it, it justifies what I'm talking about uh, as far as the extraterrestrial source of it because, you know, even Drawson said this appears to be, you know, from an extraterrestrial source. And we've always known that heaven was not on earth. It was mm-hmm. non-terrestrial. Right. Uh, but yeah. as far as planning your life and everything, uh, you just need to read read the books and see what's going to happen, and then you can plan your life from there. Yeah, I know there's always been an esoteric uh, interpretation and, and the scads of, of collective information about this sort of thing, which I've heard bits of throughout the years. My only other comment, if I could, is uh, I read something the other day uh, in a uh, publication that was put out by someone that is claiming to be the next coming of Christ, Maitreya was this name of this being's name. Uh, but at any rate, he uh, talked about wells in, I believe it was Brazil, uh, in Mexico, and in uh, three locations on the earth. And the, the connection I want to make is that the water that comes out of these wells is supposedly claiming to you know, cause all kinds of healings. Um, but the water, when weighed, uh, weighs less than... Na- normal or natural water. Because it's had the deuterium removed. Uh, apparently so, but they occurred naturally. So in respect to what your husband is doing and discovered, I thought that it was interesting that there was someone else, and they've actually somehow supposedly made pills out of this water mm. and sell them. Mm. Uh, but they were claiming, you know, miraculous healings and just sort of general health upkeep with well, us. you know, if you're not drinking deuterium, uh, that, see, deuterium lodges in the tissues of your body, and it, it eventually helps with the aging with the aging process because it damages the organs over a long period of time. Uh, so if you were not drinking any more deuterium, you're doing less damage to your body. I don't know how it could heal it, but... Any hope of us getting hold of this kind of water in the near future? Uh, my husband, and they have a company. They're working now. They're, this water will eventually be available. It, they're gonna, they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to clean up Earth's water supply. They're trying to give people decent water to drink. And yeah. they want to clean up the sewage waste and even industrial waste that's ruining our planet. Well, I, I commend you on your courageous outrageousness. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> you know, uh, Cynthia, a strange thing has been occurring, and uh, that happens when you allow open line radio like this. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, I'm going to be honest with you, at the beginning of the interview, you sounded a little... Hmm. I'm searching for the right word. Well, please remember that it's very light. I don't stay up this light. Well, <laughs> then maybe, maybe well, no, then let me make my point. Maybe you should, because at the beginning of the interview, I was having a problem with a lot of what you were saying intellectually, even though I was enjoying the way you were saying it. 
Uh, but as the interview has worn on and people have begun asking you questions, specific questions, um, either I've been listening to you too long or you're starting to make sense to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, you know what the problem is, Art? It's because... Well, I it's because you're like, saying a lot of wild stuff. That's well, what the problem is. It's not is. just that. I know that I sound very young, but I'm 40 years old. I, I had a person, I was on an interview the other night, and this poor old man called up and he said... You sound like you're only about 25. How can you know all this? And I said, well, but I'm 40. You know? You're, you're <laughs> actually you're 15 40. years. And you know, he's right. You don't sound 40, Cynthia. I, I'm sorry. I don't look 40 either. I look like I'm only about 25, and people don't want to take me seriously. It, but I can't probably help the, it. It's probably the water. I, I can't help it, you know. I can't age myself. I understand. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Yes, hello, Art. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you? Good morning, Cynthia. This is Mike in Philadelphia. Oh, hi. Hi. Uh, Cynthia, I'd like to ask you one question. I'll hang up for the answer. Uh, do you believe that we're currently in communication with the cosmos as we speak right now? Thank you very much. All right. Uh, in other words, uh, in communication, I guess, with others elsewhere, Cynthia? Uh, I think certain people on the planet are, definitely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, could you tell us who? I uh, can't go into that. <laughs> but you do know. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. People that are being abducted, they're in communication. I understand. It's obvious. Okay. Um, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hello. Are you there? Going once, going twice. Gone. First time caller line, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi, uh, this is Jamie. I'm calling from Santa Monica, California. Hi, Hi Jamie. And uh, I'm reading this book uh, by a guy by the name of Lawrence Gardner. It's titled Bloodline of the Holy Grail. And what it does is it talks basically about the possibility of Christ having uh, had been married and having uh, children and everything. And I was wondering if, if the um, possibility of if what she's saying about uh, them being extraterrestrials and everything, what would that make Christ's direct heirs? His children, that. they would be they would be hybrids, and they would be his children. Uh, I don't know anything about that book you're talking about, but I mean, all I what I have done is I have taken the Bible and what's in that, and I've analyzed it, dissected it, and shown what I think about it. And the other texts that I have consulted are basically uh, texts that will tie into the Bible, like Nebuchadnezzar uh, to Marduk ties in in Daniel. To sin ties in with Psalm 82, which talks about the military coup when the God of the Old Testament went back to heaven. And this wasn't the first time there was a military coup. There, the uh, Mesopotamian texts talk about uh, Anu uh, seizing power from uh, a king called Alalu. So this is, you know, not the first time that's happened. Okay. So uh, it wouldn't be. I was just curious because this directs his lineage all the way down now to the uh, the uh, British. Um, nobility as far as uh, the Queen of England and everything, so it wouldn't make you, do you think it would make them any more uh, maybe potent hybrids? Like, well, more, more of important? As, after this much time, I would think it would all be diluted out of there, but right. uh, a, a very interesting thing has occurred uh, uh, over here in Texas. Some minister went to the Holy Land and he got some blood samples from uh, that have collected in this cave where, where the cross was uh, and Jesus' blood went down through the ground, and there's a cave underneath it, and some of the blood is still up there. You can't ever get rid of blood completely. Right. He took that and analyzed the DNA, and he says that 
the mother was definitely human, but the father was definitely extraterrestrial. Wow. Well, great. Thank you. Thank you, and uh, take care. Wildcard Line, you're on the air with uh, Cynthia. Good Hi, morning. Great show tonight. I have two very practical questions that probably many listeners are wondering. And earlier when you are talking about the woman having the uh, lizard-type thing as a boyfriend, literally, uh -huh. um, my first question is, uh, are the sexual organs the same as the human being? And if so, is the texture lizard-like? Because that would sound like it would make a problem. My second question is that Art has had many, many guests who have talked about uh, some of these beings as insect-like, but I've never listened to a single show where they've been described beyond that. Are we talking ants, praying mantis? All right, we'll get right to we'll, we'll get right to praying mantis. That's that's what they say. They look like as the praying mantis. But back to the sex organs, uh, the girl said that they are exactly like a human male. And it, reptiles, I don't think they have scales on the actual organ itself. Mm -hmm. So I would think that that would be the case in the reptilian. Okay, species. just wondered. All Thank right. you very much. All right. Yes, you're welcome. Uh, good uh, straight questions, good straight answers. Uh, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Hi. I'm really enjoying your show. This is Mary in Houston. Hello, Mary. Hi. Um, several years ago, on a trip out west, I took my daughters with me to the Mormon Tabernacle and their museum. And um, the guide who showed us everything, talked to us in depth about some of the beliefs, and she told us that they believe that when higher Mormon people die, they go to another planet as the rulers. Mormons? Mormons. That's very interesting because the Bible also says that uh, the people that make it to heaven, the, the Christians that survive the tribulation, they're going to be set up in positions of authority and rulership on planet heaven. There you are. Well, I've never heard anyone else make a comment about that in the Mormon church, and I just kind of wondered. Um, well, there's a lot of churches that do believe that heaven is a planet, but they don't really publicize that and talk about it that much because you got to understand, religion has become so distorted because they, when they translated the Bible, they tried to make it into a generic deity, uh, and they removed these references to Elohim. It appears 3,500 times in the Old Testament. So no, I think they tried to take the people's personal power out of it. I think that the church was afraid that people could, could have a relationship with Jesus or the Lord on their own without going through the church. Well, that could be part of it, but my main point is that the Bible has been so twisted and right. warped by the translators right. that when you go and get one in the store, you're not getting the, the literal interpretation. You're getting what they want you to see. Mm -hmm. That's why I've done all this work. That's mm -hmm. why I've dug through all this and found all the, what the words really mean so I can show everybody that this is a race of beings we're talking about, not one generic deity that they've changed Elohim to God or, or uh, even God's name, uh, where it's written out as YHWH, they just obliterate that now and just put God. Um, on our news tonight, um, there was a segment about another cultish group near Fort Worth, Dallas, who, who planned to be taken to heaven on a space 
Oh, yes. I've been hearing about that. Yeah, I know what, they're right over here by where I'm at. And as a matter of fact, they, they deny that they're thinking of suicide or anything like that, but the authorities are watching them, that group. They're Orientals that came over here yep. from uh, Korea or someplace? Taiwan. Taiwan, Taiwan yeah. yes. Yeah, I thought about going over there and talking to them and getting their take. I don't know. I might. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, somehow, I, I, I think you'd do just fine with them, Cynthia. You ought to consider it. Well, I might go over there and in light. No more. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Art Bell. Yes. Finally, I got through to you. I've been listening to you since you were in, uh, out, of, out of Nevada. I'm still out of Nevada. <laughs> I mean, in so the... Uh, yes, I understand. In, in the Los Union Vegas. Hotel? The, uh, the Union Plaza Hotel. Yeah. Yes. Listen, uh, how, can that, how can the moon possibly be hollow? when it was blown out of the Pacific and blown out a quarter of a million miles out into space. There are people who have that theory, but uh, listen. It's not just a theory. Well, yes, it, it, well, all right, prove it. Okay, one side of the moon is magnetic. That's why it's facing the Earth all the time. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I, don't get me to say right. Okay. How do I know one side of the moon is magnetic? I, 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 I don't even properly understand gravity and magnetism anyway do you when it was when it was blown out into space all the water poured into into there into that hole and came down over the hole wait, wait a minute into what hole the hole that was made by the moon when it was blown out into space and that became the ocean no all the water poured into the hole and it, and it came down over the poles that's what, that's what i'm saying that became the ocean and no, it, it came down as ice and snow the snow was 40,000 ice and snow was 40,000 feet high on the poles. All right, listen, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave that gem right where it is. Cynthia, I wouldn't, if you can do the last hour, I wouldn't miss doing it for all the tea in China. I'll be happy to. All right, stay right there. Moody River, more This is interesting. Uh, coming at you, uh, Cynthia, listen to this. Uh, Art, I've never read your guest books, but many of the facts, in quotation, she's talking about just don't pan out, although... There are some clouds visible in a few lunar photos. He admits that. Mm -hmm. There is not enough atmosphere for the LEM to drift. Now, uh, in, now, in my opinion, in for a penny, in for a pound. In other words, if there, he admits there are a few clouds on the moon. Mm -hmm. uh, in for a few clouds, in for a thunderstorm. I mean, um, I would have said there's, no, there's not a chance there's a cloud on the moon. You said there was. I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. But here, uh, you know, some fellow in Georgia is coming at you and saying, yeah, all right, there's a few clouds, but not enough for the lem to drift. Come on, folks. Either there are clouds or there aren't. And if there's clouds, there's enough, there should be enough atmosphere for the lem to drift. And I'm not the one that said the limb drifted. The Apollo astronauts, that's documented that it drifted. Well, it moved in a lateral fashion. Now, I don't know whether that constitute, constitutes atmospheric drifting or whether they had some sort of lateral thrust. I have no way of knowing that, but uh, it they did. They were almost out of fuel when that's, they got there. That, I doubt if they'd have been thrusting. <laughs> uh, well, uh, that's right. They were almost out of fuel. I mean, they were like trying to conserve every precious drop because they wouldn't have been able to get back to Earth. Yep. East, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I heard what you were talking about, uh, water on the moon and all that, and, and vegetation. Yep. Yeah, there's small traces of, like, water and chemicals that make up a planet or a moon. Yeah. You know, and all these elements always, uh, you know, collide with each other. Asteroids, too, you know. 
and uh, it, it's pretty interesting what that lady has to say. Uh, she's, you know, she's a, a real good talker, you know. Well, she's right here, and she's listening to you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're really, really good. At first, it sounded a little different what you had to say. Then it got really interesting, like everybody thought, and uh, you know that was that was really good. Well, I hope everybody will take into consideration that it's the middle of the night. I haven't had any sleep. I'm not at my best tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, don't mean, I, I think you're doing very well myself. Yeah, like the Utopia region on the moon, the Sphinx, and all that. You oh, know, that's on Mars. It's like a, a woman's face. That's on, on Mars. Mars. All on Mars. Yeah. Well, you know, you look at the the uh, canyons and the mountains here and on on Earth. You know, you see a lot of different shapes. I see millions of them every time I cross the United States. Well, and, you know, that's I, that's I know. like seeing the same thing. I'm not saying that these are are shapes, though. These are pretty clearly defined. I wouldn't I, yeah. I wouldn't stick my neck out. Yeah, they were built say. by Earth slaves. Huh? The extraterrestrials had bought slaves from Earth. To well, Mars and Moon and different hidden planets and asteroids because they've got that capability of traveling that far, by far, easy. Have you ever seen the movie like Contact? You know, I mean, that's like peanuts to them, you know. Yeah, and you know, it's real interesting. Uh, Carl Sagan spent his whole career talking about how there were no extraterrestrials, and then he writes this book, Contact, and it's, it's um, this movie's made after he's dead. That's quite a statement. Uh, yes, it is. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hello. Uh, hi, Art. This is Robert from Anchorage, Alaska. Hi, Robert. On the mm -hmm. new big 50,000-watt KENI. Yes, sir. I got a question for you. How did the the moon ring without an atmosphere? Doesn't sound need an atmosphere to... Well, uh, now, that's, that's seismic. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, not necessarily. That's seismic ringing. Um, and I don't think you need atmosphere. You would need, uh, certainly, there's no sound. Uh, as they say, nobody can hear you scream in space. But the sensors were actually physically attached to the moon. And so they were hearing the... Um, the resonance? The resonance. Uh, yeah. th that's correct. That's probably it. Okay. I, I mean, I can't really say one way or another if it's hollow or not, but I was kind of questioning if it was going to ring. Well, if, it, if it's not hollow, how could it ring... For how long, Cynthia? Uh, it rained for hours. I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up, but I know it rained for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, like I said, I wasn't wasn't questioning if it was hollow or not. I was questioning if it actually rang. Well, I, oh, oh, it, it did. Yes, there's no question about that. There's no question. That's in encyclopedias about the moon. Well, because my thought was if it did ring, then it obviously had to have been in the studio. Oh, I see. I oh, see what okay. you're driving at. We never went to Mars. I, I don't buy into that one either, but... Uh, there's something I'd like to, to add before we run out of time. I want to say something about the crop circles. Oh, absolutely. Uh, other researchers haven't noticed this, okay, because they don't know anything about the Mesopotamian religion. But the Mesopotamian uh, priest, when they wanted to contact the deities, would draw a magical circle and stand in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. That's how they contacted their deities. And it just seemed odd to me that the first uh, formations that appeared were circles, and it was as though these Mesopotamian deities were saying to us, okay, now we're ready to talk to you, get in the circle. And if we think about where they started to appear uh, in 1976 to really proliferate, I mean, I'm not going to say they haven't ever appeared before that time, but they really began to proliferate in 1976 in England. England is one of the last remaining monarchies on Earth, and the Mesopotamian right. texts state that kingship was lowered from heaven, so wouldn't these Nibirians go to a place that they consider legal to begin their dialogue with mankind? And I believe that those are transmissions from that serpent faction to mankind. 
I see. Uh, that could uh, that could absolutely be so. All right. Uh, here we go. First time caller line. You're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Uh, uh, th this is Art Bell. It is. Yeah. Hi, Art. I'd like to talk to you and your guest about. Uh, you know, there's there's a minority of people that, uh, uh, and I don't know if this was on your show or one of the other shows, but that that, uh, that claim that the uh, the moon is well, I don't know if you would call it a man-made satellite, but but a satellite that is not natural. Well, that and, yeah, you're, there's a lot of evidence for that. I'm not going to say either way, but I, I kind of lean towards that. It if it's not uh, an artificial satellite drug in from someplace else, then you know, it's it's been turned into one. Well, I have uh, I have read reports that that there have been some some kinds of research or scientific work that's been done that has never been released to us that will conclusively show that underneath the surface it, it is not of a, well, what am I trying to say? It is it is not a natural kind of It's like of a terrain. metallic. I've heard that it's like a big metallic ball and it's got the the dirt on top of it and it's been like. Uh, terraformed or something to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It's a, I mean, I'm not saying there's styrofoam inside, yeah. but, but that it's, it's something that we are not capable of doing, but that had been done by another kind of intelligence or, or extraterrestrial or some other source like that and then put into place where it is right now. And, and, and I want to know where, uh, where is all the commentary about this particular issue, because it turns the whole thing just just upside down, so that we're you know well, we're looking at it standing on our heads. The the whole point that I've been trying to make during this whole thing is that information has been withheld from the public from day one. I mean, there is a government cover up about the existence of extraterrestrials and UFOs, and I know that uh, just recently, I think it was in Arizona or New Mexico, there was this sighting of this large triangular craft that uh, Phoenix Arizona Oh Phoenix okay yeah and that lasted for what 45 minutes people came out with their video cameras they recorded the thing and yet we don't hear this on the national news we don't hear much talk about it uh, oh, our oh. government should be talking about this. Oh, oh absolutely and and our was was it one of your guests that had that had, that had brought up the the issue with regard to the moon uh this was something that that was oh I would guess about thirteen or or fourteen months ago or so. Oh, which issue about the moon, sir? With respect to that, it is it is not a a, a natural formed. Well, kind of there is one oddity about the moon that I uh, um, have uh, given some credence, and that is when we have an eclipse. Is it not odd that the moon precisely uh, from any point on the Earth fits right over? The sun. It's not larger. It's not smaller. It precisely fits over the sun during an eclipse, so so that we might uh, we might see uh, a corona. As a matter of fact, that's the only way you can. Uh, it's the only way you can see a corona. Art, you know who knows the answer to that one? Who? Your friend Richard Hoagland. Well, He's the he... only one who would know that if it's the same size and the size of the disc, and you happen to look at it, it's the same size as the. Of the the sunglasses covering your eye, and you take out your watch, and it's the same. Well, it all means something. Well, I'll, look, I'll say this much: um, it's a, it's a whopper of a coincidence. Now, I, I don't know if I can go any farther than that, but uh, just about anybody out there has to admit that for the moon, its size to be precisely from the Earth, uh, 
at an exact distance to block precisely and no further and no less the sun so that we get a corona's pretty weird. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Oh, hi. Uh, I'm calling from Rhode Island. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And actually, we, we, the local station stops carrying you at, as a five, so I don't know what uh. you're talking about up to this point. But, um, well, I had a comment and a question. Okay. Um, okay. Um, the, I'll start with a question. This, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you had a, a show, which I didn't get, I was hoping you'd repeat it also sometime, but the gist of it was, because I didn't get to hear the whole thing, but this, it was a Christian man who I believe was a scientist and he thought that the, any UFO, uh, beings were devils and demons oh yes and so and so your guess now how does this square with her uh well i'll, uh, you know, I'll answer that all uh, right all right uh there are a lot of creation uh creationists uh there are a lot of uh, yeah creationists who believe exactly that i had one on not long ago what do you think cynthia well, I think that uh, in a way they're right, that the, the aliens that we're seeing now, most of them are most likely members of that serpent faction, which means that they would be, uh, to the fundamentalists, they would view that as being demonic or whatever. Mm. Uh, actually, those beings are all uh, physical beings that look like us. It's just that they're members of the adversarial faction. Uh, that's... That's my take on it. Now, I'm not going to say that every alien that visits Earth is bad because, first of all, there's a, a verse in the Bible, uh, Ephesians, something other, I can't remember now the exact thing, but it does say that there are principalities and powers that are watching what's going on Earth right now. Uh, the reason they want to watch is because they want to see if the God of heaven is going to keep his contract with mankind. And it says that there's uh, wickedness in the heavenly places, too. So uh, this could be references to other evil races that would come here and try to use us for their own purposes. Sure. Uh, it, this could account for a lot of extraterrestrial activity. All right. Um, let's go here. Wild Card Line, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Yeah, Art, this Herb. Uh, I live in Mesa where uh, we don't have to change our clocks. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. In, in in Mesa, Arizona, you don't change your clocks. Nope. Oh, that's right. All of Arizona, you don't change your clocks. Yeah. That's right. You guys are the, the the correct ones, and we're all out to lunch. We should join you. <clears throat> well, when the sun doesn't, uh, you know, go drastically one way or the other. Anyway. Well, it could be. You know, you say that these uh, uh, people that uh, oh the, the the ones that are different. It could be that they, you know, they come out at night. You know. Nocturnal? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, I, I've, I've been talking to some of these people that, uh, you know, run the AM, PMs, and then they say, boy, the people at night. Well, there's no doubt about that. That they see, you know, some people, they, they don't even see in the daytime. Uh, Cynthia, what is your take on uh, reincarnation and how this fits into the scheme of um, the uh, <clears throat> different um, cultures and the fact that it's been taken out of the Bible completely. I believe in reincarnation. Uh, you do. I, you know, I, there's just a lot of evidence that points towards it being true. There's a lot of cases like over in India where people have been reincarnated and, and little kids, and they're actually remembering when they were an adult, and they want to go back and see their family and everything. Sure. It just seems so, so strange to me that some little five-year-old kid can remember when he was married to this woman and knows exactly where she's at. And 
You know what? I, I, I also uh, think that I believe in reincarnation. That'll get me in a lot of trouble. Cynthia, uh, hold on. You, you've done very well. We've got 30 more minutes to do. You'll make that in a cakewalk, all right? Okay. Stay right there. Cynthia Turnage is my guest. We'll be right back. Her hair's a hollow gold. Her lips sweet surprise. Uh, Cynthia, and I'm getting more interesting faxes on you. In fact, my, I'm going to have to turn my machine off. It's going so crazy. Um... Somebody here compares you uh, to a Christmas turkey stuffing, which I won't uh, repeat. Others absolutely love you. It's running about 50-50 on the fax machine. Here's somebody who's uh, nice, says this lady seems to be a very sweet and personable Fruit Loop. <laughs> so, listen, not to worry. It's running about 50-50. Others are saying you really are sweet. You know what you're talking about. These people don't. They simply have not been exposed to this material. And uh, there is a lot of that. Cynthia, you're, you're saying a lot of things to people they've never heard before. They're not mentally prepared for it. And so what they do is reject it or get angry. It's okay. You know, it doesn't really matter. It, the fact is I, I've won 50% of the people. I feel like I've got a victory going here. Well, it is a kind of victory. Uh, here's one. My question is, if you can't have vegetation without light, then... How can there be plants uh, on the on the moon? Now, that's it, 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 the factor is wrong. You can have veg, vegetation without light. Witness mushrooms and uh, all kinds of other things that grow without light. Well, there's also some debate about whether or not the moon even gets light on the back. I mean, there it is possible that it could. It's well, it, it could certainly get some kind of reflective light, I suppose. Yeah. I, I don't know. All right. Uh, east of the Rockies, you are on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Hello there. Hello there. Where are you? Uh, this is Jess Conn from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yes, sir. And uh, I might have a simple explanation for the clouds. Uh, could they not possibly be dust from uh, meteor or strikes or anything like that? Since there's no, uh, not that floats for a long time in the atmosphere. Well. You were, you were mentioning that there's a slight gravitational field that it could get caught in. Well, I don't know that much about physics, but I really don't think dust could float in a vacuum for, or be suspended above a planet for any period of time. Art, help me with that. <laughs> it's uh, just a, an explanation. I, I, I can't help you. <laughs> I don't know myself. It just doesn't sound logical to me. I mean, nothing else is able to float suspended above, you know, the planet in a vacuum. So I, I'm I mean, if, if my guess would be that the, um, you know, without, of course, you are saying there's atmosphere. So uh, if dust was there without atmosphere, just academically for a second, the gravitational attraction of the moon would eventually cause it to settle. Right. That's, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, and it would float and be photographable. Well, like the meteors burn up mostly in our atmosphere if something was hit hard enough there you're going to have dust that's going to be floating out into space uh right but eventually uh as i said it's going to settle back without atmosphere if there is atmosphere and there's clouds then you could have dust you know what's amazing to me art what i've said that god is an extraterrestrial i haven't got one single phone call of anyone angry or upset about that they're all worried about the, the clouds and the vegetation <laughs> on the moon <laughs> yes i know i thought i was going to get crazy over over my my Bible material and yeah I know I thought you were stuff. too well that's 
Shows to go yet. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Good morning, Art. Good morning, Cynthia. Good morning. Would you like to crucify Cynthia about her God is an E.T.? No, uh, it's more about her uh, <clears throat> her space physics. No, okay. here we go. My uh, what? Her, her, her looter uh, stuff. Um, okay, first of all, just because it's ringing doesn't mean it's hollow. Because there's so little atmosphere on the moon. Oh, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. The ring isn't damped. Oh, hold on. It's just like anything. Sir, I'm not the one that said it. Everything resonates. Sir, first of all, uh, the ringing is without question. Right, but it's not. That doesn't mean it's hollow. Everything resonates. Um, if you take a solid metal ball, yes, and you thump it, it does not continue to resonate. Well, it, it goes thump. No, everything has a resonance. Everything. Yes. It may every be more complex. It may be less complex. Yeah, but hours and hours. They, yeah, they, look, this, it looks, this is not wa a uh, while. Can I move on to something else then? Please, please do, because okay. because it's well documented. Yeah, oh, I agree, but but it's it's nothing it's nothing unusual. It never means well anyway. Um, as far as um, clouds go, oh, a light on the back. Um, of course, there's light on the back. It, it, there's there's a far side of the moon. There's no dark side of the moon. Um, what? What? what was that? I'm sorry, I'm half asleep. There is a far side of the moon. There's one side faces us, but the phase changes all the time, so half the time the other side's are lit. The That's right. I, you're right about that. That's <laughs> yeah. why I said why I knew you knew that. that. I knew you knew that. Okay. Now, now therefore, the, the vegetation and the uh, all the rest of it ought to be seen. Uh -huh. I, think, I think as far as clouds go, I think there is one explanation for that, and that's... Things called transients, which are apparently they've been cited, they've been cited in ancient times, but they're apparently um, volcanic activity. You know, just a little bit of a remnant volcanic activity. Now, I was really happy to hear um, here you are at the other day, um, you know, questioning um, Hoagland about his about his uh, geometry because. I get the impression that Hoagland really doesn't even know know the basics of spherical geometry, even though it's so simple. And uh, if people would, there's a, there's a nice um, kind of a educational toy that people can get to uh, to really get the basics of it. It's called Leonard's Sphere. And if you get that, you'll you'll get the basics of navigation, and then you then you will not be fooled by um, astrologers and Richard Hoagland, because I get the impression that Hoagland is deluded. Now, as for crop circles, I have one more thing to say. Crop circles, if you were a druid, remember that druids were agricultural folk, how would you go about, say if you were the head druid, how would you go about making a crop circle? Thank you very much. You're uh, welcome. I, I don't I'm not even going to answer that because it has here. nothing to do with what I was talking about. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't even know why he asked that, frankly. Uh, but all right, uh, he, he apparently wanted to get on here and take shots at Hoagland. I, guess, I think that was his mission. Uh, first time caller line, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. With who? Uh, who are you calling, sir? I don't even think he I could think hear us. I think that was a truck or something. Yeah, it was a truck. Uh, wild card line, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Hi, uh, Art. This is Dan in Northern Virginia. Yes. Uh, great program. It takes a Texan like her to, to do some groundbreaking work. <laughs> um, my question is, 
Vicky, what do you know about Melchizedek? What part did he play, you know, in this um, hierarchy? I know exactly what you're talking about. He was a, a, a specially created being. It says he had no father, no mother, had no genealogy. He was some kind of uh, uh, hybrid or, or some type of just specially created being, probably created in a laboratory. Uh, and he, he exists forever. Uh, he could even have been, you know, a robot, but... I'm glad you brought him up because it shows that somebody back there with high technology was creating, you know, something that was not in the normal you know, plan of hum humans and whatever. I'm sorry, I'm getting so sleepy I can barely keep going. Well, you only you only have 12 minutes well, to go. Actually. Let me let me give out my number again to order my book. Yeah, go right I pass ahead. Out. All right. One eight hundred nine zero five eight three six seven. You got a big sec. Beautiful southern accent. You better do it again slowly. 1-800-905-8367. All right. And they can get um, your latest book there, actually, uh -huh. right? The Holy Bible is an extraterrestrial transmission. Which is where you really thought you would get all your trouble. Uh, you know, what's really interesting, the cult symbol of the God of the Old Testament is the moon. <laughs> Everybody's all upset about what I said about the moon. They're all upset that I said God was evil. I know, I know. Listen, uh, listen. I, I've got a message here that says you've got a website with some thumbnail photographs of what we've been talking about on it. And I find this out at the end of the show. Uh, well, now my website, all it has on there is my book. And it has, well, it has the face on Mars down there. and it, Oh, yeah, it does have the covers of some of my books that have UFOs on them. Oh, Cynthia, I'm why sorry. didn't you tell me about well, this I hours ago? We can give it out now and people can look. All right, it, it, it is www.fastlane.net forward slash tilde, N-O-R-M-W forward slash. Is that right? Yeah, and I'm still going to send you uh, some of those photos, okay? Oh, oh not only okay. Whatever you do, don't not send them. All right, you, <laughs> you send still them. want my book War in Heaven? Yes, I do, okay. and I and I will scan those photographs, and I promise you, I and the audience that I will get them up there. All right. Okay. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Yes. How you doing, Art? Oh, I'm fine. Where are you? I'm in Orange County, okay. Los Angeles. Right. Yes. Uh, I have a theory that I heard, and I believe it. And I want to get a comment from you and your guest. Uh, aliens that we believe in, or, you know, extraterrestrials, are actually original people that came with the Earth. And that the moon is actually a part of the Earth that uh, got separated. Yep, somebody said point. that earlier, and that, that is one standing conventional theory. The, the moon is chemically different than the Earth. The scientists have proven it when they brought that dust back from the moon. They examined it. It is not Earth's soil. That's a good point. So check it out, though. But all the water that used to be on the moon when it had separated, you know, sometime back in history, all fell onto the Earth. Well, let me just tell you this. Uh, According to Mesopotamian text, there was a planet that plowed into the Earth when the Earth used to be out in the asteroid belt. There was a large planet called Tiamat. It yeah. chopped it in half, and half of it became Earth. The other half became the asteroid belt. That's why the Earth has that great big hole in its side where the, I think the Pacific Ocean is there now. That 
it's the missing half of the planet. And that planet that was out there, that Tiamat planet, was all covered in water. You know, the theory that I've heard that I like best about how we got our oceans uh, comes from a lot of astronomers who believe that we were early on bombarded by a lot of... Um, a lot of material, and we're still being bombarded today. But early on in Earth's history, we were hit by a number of comets, which are nothing but uh, ice, of course, uh, and water, big comets, uh, perhaps even moon-sized comets or larger, and that they account for the water. A lot of it was disseminated into the atmosphere and then fell as rain. Maybe, maybe not. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Hi, Art Bell. My name is Rob... And I'm from Lakewood, Washington. Yes, sir. And I have a report um, called Majority 12. MJ 12, yeah. And have you heard of it? Yep. Yep. Everybody's heard of it, sir. Do you have the report? I've had I've it for had years. It. <laughs> oh, okay. Because um, it talks about the moon and um, all the alien stuff that you've been talking about for a long time. Yep. I'll tell you something else about that, too. The Majestic 12 organization, I believe they know about Nibiru because, first of all, they call themselves Majestic, and Majesty is another way of, of saying king, and then they use the number 12, and that was the number that stood for planet Nibiru, according to the ancient Mesopotamian text. All so right. The same thing as saying that, you know, it's related to the kings of this solar system. Right. All right. East of the Rockies, without a lot of time, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Hi, I just have one comment, and that was an earlier caller uh, asked you about um, uh, you knew about contact between aliens, uh, but you wouldn't go into it, so therefore you lose a lot of credibility. Well, I don't care whether I lose any credibility or not. I'm not going to get people hurt just because somebody wants to know something that I don't want to tell. Oh, you're I, full I of it. You're my... full of it. That's all. That's fine. All right. Well, that was polite. Uh, wild card line, you're on the air with Cynthia Turnage. Hi. Uh, turn your radio off, please. Oh, okay. It's our bell? Yep. Cool. Got about two minutes, huh? Yep. All right. Oh, I got some good stuff. I can get to it. You better get to it, then. All right. Uh, looking at the uh, family name, we got uh, Yahweh, actually, is how I guess commonly said as the family name for the God of the Old Testament. His son, Yahshua, or salvation of Yah, however you want to say it, or Yah, salvation. Got the family name you know, prominent throughout the various names of the Bible, Hosea. You know, Jeremiah, Obadiah, Isaiah. Yeah, I know that name you're talking about. YHWH is how they wrote it in the text. Exactly. Well, it's showing as that deity is picking, I guess, a holy or you know, holy a right seed in you know in the various people throughout the Old Testament, and, and, you know, taking taking care to follow their destiny or their lineage. <clears throat> it kind of gets you into the hybrid of bastardization of Genesis six. I guess there's a quote out of Jude, verse six. There, it's in talking about the angels being reserved into judgment. Comes, I guess, then out of a quote from the book of Enoch. Shows that it's actually a descent again of about 200 angels. I'm sure you're familiar with that particular information. Uh huh. Where are you going here, Paula? Well, one one step further, that's uh, maybe, and I don't know if it's common or she knows that <clears throat> the scene in the Bible. There's a lot of evidence to show, at least biblically, that even Paul and his arguments bases uh, the the first sin or the original sin not actually as an apple, but uh, a uh, sexual encounter. <clears throat> and with that, of course, uh, Luther. Uh, Seducing, I guess, is the in, in the original expatios or naga, whichever word you want to follow. About thirty seconds, mm -hmm. caller. Okay. These these particular uh, arguments show that she was seduced, and that the uh, group known as the Kenite was the product of that. 
who were, I guess, during Jesus' day, um, various leaders that uh, ruled in Palestine. Very interesting uh, theory, and I just wanted to see if you had any ideas on that. All right. You know, I, I barely heard what you said, and I'm so tired at this point. I can't comment. I'm <laughs> All <right>. sorry. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, one more time. Uh, I know it's way past your bedtime in Texas. It's got to be... Uh, five o'clock. About uh, five o'clock in the morning, huh? <laughs> Cynthia, you've been a real trooper. You really have. And um, give your number out for, uh, for your latest book, please, one more time. It's 1-800-905-8367. By the way, when is that number good? It's good right now. They can be calling it right now. Really? Mm -hmm. All right, then give it once more. Okay, it's 1-800-905-8367. Good for you. You've been a trooper. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you. <laughs> good night. Get good some night. sleep. Okay, bye-bye. All right. I shall be um, uh, sitting here uh, playing with these cameras for a while yet, folks as I am trying to get them to uh, do what I want them to do. And, and, and they eventually will, or I will reduce them to uh, very small pieces. Actually, uh, they're getting a lot better all the time. And I've already uh, surpassed uh, what we had with the other cameras. I would appreciate any comments you have on them. And uh, as far as tonight's show is concerned, it is an example um, of going out on the edge. That's what we do here. That's what this is all about. Sometimes it's an edge you understand, you agree with, other times you don't. Uh, reading the faxes, it's been running about 50-50. But what I would like to say is that those who are rude, sort of in my opinion, like that caller a few moments ago, uh, lose an awful lot of it, uh, credibility that is, themselves, when they utter uh, some little lousy, rude thing and hang the phone up. So... Uh, see you tomorrow night. It'll be uh, yet a different program tomorrow night. I think you're uh, going to enjoy it. Uh, once again, we'll be talking or investigating the realm of remote viewing. From the high desert, I'm Art Bell. Good night.